Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky, and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it is Peter Thomas and Andy Matthews. Hello David. Hello Dave. Hello. And it's lovely to see your eyes close as you do that inter- introduction. <laughs> I've got and a as feel you go it. into a, almost like a reverie, a <laughs> trance-like state. Because oh, what you've got to know is, I haven't done this show for about six months. Mm. I've got to remember, I've got to go deep within myself and mm-hmm. I found it. Yeah. yeah. I think oh, I yeah. found it. It's very religious. It's like a... Um, Recitation, mm. sort of mm. hail Mary. There was there was a sort of a a a, a speaking in tongues, like the voice of some, <laughs> right. yeah. I guess, an eldritch god from yeah, uh, that's right. some sort of you know um, arcane religion was speaking through you. That's right. I often go uh, quite ancient with my yeah. with my books. Well, you yeah. you you couldn't see and this I at home, it. but when David opened his eyes at the end, his the eyeballs were completely black. Yeah. <laughs> so today's book is the Necronomicon. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, bound well, in human be. flesh. It, uh, is there is there such an actual book as the Necronomicon, or is it just mythical? A, a big part, one that's bound in human flesh well, I, and I mean, trapped it, the it, souls of. Um, it doesn't have to be bound damn. in human flesh. It doesn't even have to trap the souls. But is there like you know? Is it is it is it a reference to an exist a thing that exists, or is it just a made up for like a spooky scary, spooky for occult books? I'm sure that there's someone who wrote like a, a book about of a alchemy like, and yeah book about all the, the demons who can poke you with different things. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's the and next episode. And so we'll be reviewing that. <laughs> I love it. And the I love the idea that you would... <laughs> I'm not going to read out any of the incantations because obviously that would summon the undead spirits <laughs> from beyond the veil, but I will give you the gist. Yeah, but I'll summarise <laughs> them. And if I can skirt around the edges, hopefully mm-hmm. uh, we won't murder anyone tonight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, could, you could summon some abridged <laughs> demons. Yeah, yeah. Right. The Reader's Digest version <laughs> of the Necronomicon for summoning abridged demons. Yeah, Dave will damn his soul, so you don't have to. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's a great tagline. I mean, I think you're branching out into the into the underworld, so that's Book good to know. Book of the Dead, cheap. <laughs> but there are books made of human flesh. Yes, out there, and I remember seeing one. Oh gosh, I can't remember. We did a not very uh, nice. Uh, a uh, Duga One report about the uh, Burke and Hare murders. Mm. And then now there is a book made of flesh uh, at a Scottish museum that when when we were over there, we we went to, and I remember the we were sort of looking around. And then the person, like the guide of the museum, came and said, "Are you looking for the human flesh book?" <laughs> right, this one. They knew we weren't there for all the other stuff. Like, and we we're like, "Oh yes, please." And they said, "Sorry, you can't take any photos." And we we're like, "Well, we came here for the social media op- opportunity, mm, and it's been robbed. Mm. It's been robbed." So, you know what I would say? I would say that we are all but books made of human flesh. Oh my goodness! Wow. And that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And Thank good you. Night. Yeah. We'll see yeah, you in another f- six months. <laughs> <laughs> the new format's much shorter. <laughs> Honestly, much easier to edit. 
Hey, so I've been uh, I've been off doing some other things for a few months. I got married, went on a honeymoon. Congratulations! Thank you so much. I've been living a bit of life, and honestly, I thought I'd only take two or three months off from. Uh, from the podcast, but it has been mm. sick. So I apologise to the bookshooks out there that I haven't been reporting as much. But the good news is I have been reading a lot in that time, so I'm mm. quite ahead with my reading. All right, which is great. Yeah, which is and the book, bookshooks have just been free ranging on oh, the open pastures, yes. which is very healthy for them. Much yes. better. They've, yeah, they also been fending for themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. hopefully that's not okay. ideal. Yeah. Much worse. <laughs> yeah, that's much worse. So I've been I've been doing doing a bit of other stuff, but so have the two of you over the last few months or so, mm. and maybe even for many many months before that. But uh, you've recently published a book. So you don't have to. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yes. We. Yes. I uh, never will now. I we, never will now. We are. Uh, you know, we're, we're published. Yes. We got um, published. And despite all the talk about uh, spooky books and demons from beyond the the veil, we uh, have written and illustrated a children's book for mm. children. Mm. Very non-scary. Um, <laughs> so no human flesh. No, it's absolutely the, no human flesh. Not even flesh. like a limited edition 10 copy run. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not the Necronomicon for kids. <laughs> no. It's <laughs> for kids. The A to Z. <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, no, we have, Pete and I have written a book called Gustav and Henry, and it's an adventure uh, series for young readers uh, about a pig and a dog who are best friends. I love it. And they go to space, and they go back in time, and where else, what else? They, oh, they, they, they find solve a lost mysteries. cake. They solve yes. mysteries. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's out with Hardy Grant Books, and you can find it, you know, almost anywhere. Good books are sold. Yes. Fantastic. And what's what's sort of the uh, the age demographic you're mainly aiming this one towards? Yeah, so young readers are like yep. five to like eleven or something like yep. that. But you know we'll push it out. <laughs> yeah, great. There's, there's jokes in there for grown ups. The second the second uh, volume of the book, which is about to come out next month, has an extended riff on the Doll's House, the uh, Ibsen play. Oh, fantastic! So, which know, I, is that what that was? <laughs> which I have, in fact, uh, covered on this show before. I know. Yeah. Wow. So uh, you know, if you like that. Um, then you'll love Gustav and Henry Volume 2. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm so intrigued as to what the joke is, but I guess I'll have to get a copy. Yeah, yeah. you will. I'm also intrigued. I thought there was just a no. doll's house. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> read this play I, look, or seen yeah. it. Uh, I, I might have talked about this on on this podcast or on a different podcast, but like I've, I've never seen or read the doll's house either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was looking up... Um, I was trying to find a good name for a robot in the book. Okay. And then I, um, through this strange sequence of events, found a bunch of parallels between the story we were writing and the um, Ibsen book. Right, because that's a, quite a feminist And then work. I made a few more of them more explicit. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm. Oh, fantastic. And I don't mean explicit in a way that would be inappropriate <laughs> yeah, for children. <laughs> you just went rogue with volume two. Yeah, yeah, Gustav and Henry. Gustav and Henry. It's got some beautiful, incredible drawings by Pete. Yes. So yeah, you and are an incredible artist. Thank we you must very say. much, Dave. Um, yeah, Andy is the writer and I am the illustrator and we both um, work on Created the stories together. together. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lot of fun to make and also to read. Yes. I agree. So I, if, if you don't get a chance to read it, then definitely try to make it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. And out there, write your own version. <laughs> yeah. And the new one that's about to come out, it's, it's just called Gustav and Henry Volume 2? Yeah, that's correct. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, the Island of Tiny Ants is the uh, subtitle. And is that, uh, is that known or is that just what you call it in your mind? That's actually, they wanted that for America. I think they might have oh. called it that in America. We're also being published in the United States. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, so any of your uh, American um, listeners. They're out there. American chooks can <laughs> pick it up from uh, Red Comet. 
Press. Red Comet Press, yeah. I don't think either of the books have come out there as of this instant, but they will be coming out a little bit later in the year. Absolutely love it. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Very exciting. Thanks for having us it's on. It's genuinely exciting. I've only had a couple of published authors on the show, so it's very exciting. I thought we would be your first. I think we've had a, a Nicholas J. Johnson. Ah, of course. Tricky Nick was his book. Yes. And then well, uh, he's also. Had others. Uh, well, that was one he was promoting at the time. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And, but he was also a novelist. And Sammy Shah has also been on with yes, his uh, biographies and novels. Mm. All right, all right. Okay. Biographies <laughs> and novels. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. But still, it's very, it's very impressive. I've never had the duo uh, there you go. behind the no, story, and the writing, and the illustration all together at once. Mm. I feel very uh, un, mm. like an underachiever here, I must say. Well, there are, there are two of us, here. Dave, so we can get twice as much done. So That's it's right. it's not really your fault. That's what I told myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever you've got to tell yourself, Dave. Jeez. So I'll put a link in the description of the episode you. if you uh, want to find the best place to Thank to you. buy it. Otherwise, people Do we can, uh, have to stick around for the rest of the episode <laughs> Honestly, that we've done? I'll take it from here. Okay, okay thanks exactly. very much. Well, unfortunately for you, I have been reading myself. And I'm going to tell you about a book, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I'd love that. Please do. But what if I told you, like, I, I'm relaunching this year, not with not with any classic, not with any run-of-the-mill classic, whatever, dime a dozen, who gives a shit about it. I'm, I'm coming back strong with the most requested book I've ever done. So this is the classic of the classics. The classic of the classics. Can you believe this? Are you trying to guess, Andy? Is what it, is, is this it gesture? War and Peace? It is not War and Peace, even oh. though that's very much up there, mainly for people pranking me, knowing yes. that I'll have to read a 1,300-page yes. book. yes. That's a lot. But thankfully for me, it's not War and Peace. Okay. It is a much shorter book. Um, (laughs) Is it The Old Man and the Sea? No. Though I have covered that before. Okay. All right. Mm. Do your research. Which is, but I know that, but I appreciated that because that was the the shortest Hemingway available. So definitely tick that one off. Mm. (laughs) Uh, This one's been suggested by over 60 people. Wow. So usually I go through and read out the names, but I will, we'll be here half the night. So <laughs> if, if you have suggested, thank you so much. Anyone can suggest a book at any time. There's, a, again, in the description of this episode, go through. There's a few links there, including a link to where you can suggest a book. And thank you to the over 60 people from uh, many, many countries that have suggested that I cover the George Orwell classic, <gasps> 1984. Fantastic. Wow. Fantastic. Very topical choice. And I feel like I've been Always. saying this. For Andy Matthews in particular, because I remember doing a book cheat very early on, and I think at the end of the episode, I'm not sure if this is on mic or just off mic, he said, I'd love to be on the 1984 episode. I've always wondered what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kept that in my mind for about three years. Wow. So in that time, have you read the book? No. Andy? I can no. guarantee to you that I have not delved into wow. that. I'm not looking forward to the bit because I know that there's a bit with rats and I'm hoping it's you not going to scare me. You don't like rats? Room. Well, I don't like what I think the bit is. Uh, it, I don't like rats that do the thing that I think they do in this book. Dancing right. rats. Dancing. Oh, <laughs> that, that is terrifying. They make risotto. They got no rhythm. <laughs> ratatouille, sorry. <laughs> 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 ratatouille. <laughs> that was, you, you got one of those like knockoff versions. Yeah. <laughs> Ratzotto. <laughs> Ratzotto. <laughs> well, that would be terrifying. Uh, pick, oh, uh, your, for your birthday, I know you love uh, that uh, uh, Pixar movie with the rats. Oh, I, love I Pixar went down movies. to the shop and I got you a copy of Ratzotto. <laughs> Here it is. That's me, Andy, mm-hmm. talking to you. And I, I take Christmas. it and I put it on the shelf next to Transforgers. And <laughs> <laughs> and Transforgers. Now, what is Transforgers? Why is that a. 
What happens in Transformers? Well, it, it, they're, they have, they're, they're Forgers mm. who can transform okay. into trucks. You know what? Uh, I've got absolutely trucks. no further questions. <laughs> <laughs> now, P- Peter, do you, have you read 1984? I have read 1984, mm. um, but it, probably when I was a teenager. Okay. I which was last the, week. Which was last week. So it's very, very lucky that we're talking <laughs> yeah. about it now. I have heard the song by uh, David Bowie. That's right. Um, and Is that a hunky-dory track, that one? Uh, no, that's a track on Diamond Dogs. Oh, great. That was, that was another one I had growing up. Because um, at the end of Diamond Dogs, there's two songs about um, 1984. There's one called, there's one called uh, 1984 and there's one called uh, Big Brother. Oh. And it's all about how great Big Brother is. Uh, and, you, and you wonder, where does he get his ideas? <laughs> <laughs> what was he reading at the time? We'll never know. Well, <laughs> we will never know. Apparently, he was developing a um, musical version of 1984 and it never got off the ground, but he stuck them at, at the end of the album because um, he had all these sort of songs and one of them was a hit. Mm. There you go. Yeah. And of course, the year that I was born, David, oh, 1984. M- no. More importantly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I am a big brother. <laughs> mm. <laughs> wow. Similarities are endless. Mm-hmm. Need we go on? <laughs> When they call that program the Big Brother program, where you can sort of be somebody's big brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, so you adopt a... In a house being filmed at all times. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, although I suppose suppose in a way the concept of being somebody's big brother was a thing before the novel 1984. So forget it. I don't don't want to pursue that line of inquiry any further. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) brothers have always existed. They weren't invented by George Orwell. that idea from George Orwell's 1984? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it comes around to 1984. Hang on a second. Mm. I've heard of this before. Mm. A little bit hack with the <laughs> Pope Gregory with your calendar. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> didn't think about that, did you? Uh, 1984 <laughs> is a novel by English author <laughs> George Orwell, whose birth name was Eric Arthur Blair. Mm. Often a trivia question you'll get that one. It's a really good one. Eric. So remember, remember that, everyone. Eric Arthur Blair is a perfectly good it's name. It's a great name, isn't it? Did he keep want to keep it a secret? Because he was a bit of a sort of revolutionary kind we of guy, wasn't he? thought people were watching, didn't he, this yeah. guy? Had a very siblings. He had lots yeah, of siblings exactly. keeping an eye on An overreaching him. brother. It's like his, uh, his online identity. You know, it would have been his Twitter handle. Oh, that's right, at George Orwell. Mm. So today, if George Orwell had taken on a, um, a pseudonym, yeah. it would be Fly Guy 28. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With a picture of some NFT. Yep, that's right. <laughs> well, look, I fight the power. Mm-hmm. Uh, first published in 1949, the dystopian social science fiction novel was Orwell's ninth and final book completed in his lifetime as he died from tuberculosis just six months after its release. So messed up. He was only 46. Incredible. Yeah. Awful stuff. Uh, 1984, however, was released to critical acclaim and its reputation has only gained in stature ever since. It has also left an incredible mark on popular culture with elements and concepts in the novel entering into common usage. Uh, we'll get to some of them. We're talking, we've already said one, Big Brother. Mm. Mm-hmm. We've got Double Think, mm. Thought Police. Ministry thought- of Truth. Have yes. You got that on the list? That's, that's there. Thought Crime, mm. Newspeak, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Need I go on? Oh, please do, though. Yeah, if you've got another one. <laughs> we've got all evening. I've blocked out the whole time. So <laughs> if we're just going to sit here, then. The Ministry of War. <laughs> oh, there you go. So there's there's many things, and I'll I'll uh, put most of those things into context. But it really has 
left quite a mark. Uh, frequently, real-life instances of totalitarianism, mass surveillance and violations of freedom of expression are pointed to as being similar to what George Orwell seemed to predict with the novel. Mm. Is there a bit about laundry in it? I remember there's a bit where someone washes some laundry. I think he's, he predicted that incredibly well. Yeah. That has happened to me so many times, and I've thought, this is just like 1984. <laughs> just like he said. Just, yeah. It's all coming true. <laughs> this is what he warned us about. I shout to my wife. So I load yet another load into yeah. the front-loading washing machine. <laughs> I was happy with a washboard. But look at this thing. It's watching me. My, I recently bought a new washer-dryer. See, this is the kind of content that people are tuning in for. <laughs> this is go. great. And it has, it has advanced AI technology that apparently thinks about uh, the things that go inside it mm. and then adjusts its behaviour accordingly. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Which is so, terrifying. You know, you're, 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 who, who watches the washer? That's well, what you're asking. I'm afraid to, it can connect to the internet and I'm afraid of doing so. <laughs> what possible purpose could it have for having Wi-Fi capabilities? <laughs> I don't... I don't know. They're, they've got some feature that can be unlocked that um, I can't access through the dial on the front. It's it is it's it's terrifying mm. <laughs> and unnecessary. Would you say like say that it is Orwellian? Ooh. Another word that has entered popular culture to describe a situation, idea, or societal condition that George Orwell identified as being destructive to the welfare of a free and open society. Which is funny because it sounds like everything is all well, which would <laughs> yeah. be fine. So it's all wellian. So uh, all baddian more like. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting that like it makes it sound like in a way like he's doing it? Like it's something he would do? Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's the same with Dickensian where really he was mm. sort of fighting for for mm. workers' rights and things like that his whole life. The but conditions really... here are Dickensian. What do you mean? Well written? Very compelling? <laughs> yeah, that's right. An array of, of complex characters. Mm. But, um, yeah, it does make it sound like you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Dickens yeah. was a real... He was a real Dickens, that guy. <laughs> well... Running all these factories and yeah, having exactly. all the smoke <laughs> stacks everywhere. Sound like that. Totally. But really, he was, he was anti all that stuff. So, 1984, what's it all about? That's what I want to know. Uh, That's uh, absolutely Alfie. what I want to know. <laughs> we always start with the opening line. It's got an iconic one, and that is, it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Bum, bum, so bum. good. Isn't that great? We're off. You're when like, you're oh, yeah, yeah. And Hang on a second. <laughs> Bright, cold day. I know where we yeah. are. April. <laughs> I mean, this is all very prosaic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. The clocks. Yeah. We have those. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Predictor of the future. But wait, it, what in April, is it cold in Airstrip 1 or wherever the... That's right. It is, so it's sort of set around London. Yeah. Mm. April. I mean, it can I mean, be you cold. Could have a cold day. It okay. can be Am cold. I picking apart the wrong part of that sentence? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hang on. <laughs> English Wait people are reading it going, what is he talking about? A cold I mean, the day. The number of people who have thrown down the book by this point <laughs> yeah. in disgust. I mean, just do a bit of research, George. Or Eric, as it were. Mm. Now, the, the 13th stroke of the clock, I didn't know this. 13 strikes of the clock is a phrase or a saying. Do you know this? And proverb to indicate that the previous events or strokes of the clock must be called into question. Oh, I did not know this. I just I I knew it as like oh, oh he's pointing out that something a little bit different happening here, <laughs> a but really bit quirky. But it is also a phrase. Thirteen strikes of the clock because okay. it would indicate your clock's not working properly. Yeah, so that makes you go, hang on, if that's wrong, maybe all of it's wrong. Also, though, thirteen an unlucky number. Exactly. Sounds like everything is not all well. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Ian, 
Oh, well, you, Ian. Ian, are you listening? <laughs> do you, while he was dying of tuberculosis, do you think any of the doctors <laughs> tried to cheer him up by saying a bit more like George Unwell, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that ever... Because I mean, laughter is the best medicine. Absolutely. And you think he could have had a chuckle. Well, for someone coughing themselves to yeah. death, it's not a great way to go. Tragically, yeah, not right, the best right. reference. Okay. <laughs> Eric. It's worth a try. It's worth a try. It's all I'm saying. Now, the book, would you believe, is set in the year 1984, which was, of course, the future when this okay. was published. Oh, Got really? It. Okay, because I, yeah, this is one of the things I, I assumed it was a history book. Yeah, so it's 35 years hence of, of, the, of the publishing year, anyway. Uh, we immediately meet our main character, Winston Smith, mm. entering his crumbling home, a building called Victory Mansions that smells of cabbage and old rags, which is not a good combo. Yeah, I mean, rags. I don't know what kind of specific smell I'd associate with them. but Mustiness. Yeah. I Even think cabbage, I f- I'd struggle to pin down a cabbage smell. Right. I reckon, but once you've experienced it, you'll never forget. Obviously, right. you've never Indelible experienced a cabbage, mark. cabbage yeah. rag, <laughs> as it were. Uh, Smith is a frail 39-year-old and takes the stairs as the lift and electricity often don't work. And on each level, he walks past a massive poster of a man with a moustache whose eyes seem to follow you as you walk past. Underneath it, it says, Big Brother is watching you. Ooh. So already it seems. Isn't that amazing? Already, like, just by, if that's the description of him, frail, like, did they, did he use frail in the book? Frail 39 year old? Or is that your interpretation? Uh, I think I'm summing up a few, oh, okay, few, sure, few sure. sentences just there. Just because I think I've never heard the word frail applied to a, a younger person. Yes, but he's definitely got a few, uh, his few health conditions ailing. Him. Sure, sure. Because uh, of the cabbage. Mm. Yeah, and the rags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which are very low in fibre yeah, and minerals. <laughs> but Cabbage Rag, obviously, the best song by Count Basie. See, who was it who did Maple Leaf Rag? Was that Count Basie? Maple Leaf Rag? I don't know. Doesn't I matter. mean, a rag is a, you know, a dancer. I shouldn't be fact-checking my Look, I've got attempt at a, a joke. Maple Leaf Rag. Ragtime by Scott Joplin. Scott Joplin, of course. Of course it was Scott Joplin. <laughs> Count Basie would have been the entertainer. Don't worry about it. Stop looking things up. <laughs> 1899. This is going, going nowhere. Back. You're going back. Okay, so already it seems the future is a bit bleak, right? Yeah. And things only get worse for the man with an untreated varicose ulcer that causes Ooh. him much pain on his, uh, on his ankle. When he enters his small flat on the wall, there's something called a telescreen that blasts video of propaganda all day long and cannot be turned off. Mm. And worst of all, it also acts as a camera that observes the occupants inside their home. Oh, I've got one of those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And these screens are everywhere. They're in your home, at work, on the street, even in the bathroom. Oh. Oh, well, that's, that's... that's messed up. That's grim. Do you reckon if anyone volunteers for bathroom watch? Oh, I would never they're, they're take a, a screen sus. with a camera into the bathroom with me. <laughs> Certainly not to stare at while I sit on the toilet, <laughs> reading the propaganda therein. Why? That, that sounds That's unthinkable. Mm. Didn't think about that. Oh dear. Is, is there, does the camera? Does the camera look, look at your butt and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Is it looking at your butt? Where does it? Where is the camera in the I bathroom? I think it's looking at. It's looking at, at you. Right, but which bit of you? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, you're it's that's a lot of cameras. Because I wonder if you could 
maybe subvert the government by coming up with a method of communication based entirely around the bum. Oh, okay. You know, if the camera's just looking at face, see, this is the flaw in their system. Totalitarianism <laughs> always fails because the human spirit is indomitable. So what I'm suggesting is that we and our group of underground, you know, um, subversives, we could we could come up with an entirely clench based mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of kind of Morse code. Oh, okay. So, so clench, clench, release, clench, yeah. clench, clench, Cause, release. Because exactly. AI facial mapping won't be able to detect that kind of exactly uh, right. no. language. Yeah, if we're going to call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> anyway. But uh, I mean, what happens if you lose control of your message halfway through? That's true. And who that's are, who are you mean, talking always, to? Uh, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know that this is early stages, but you know. Yeah, I I, I think something could be done. Anyway, well, so we haven't oh. heard what happens Sounds in the like book, so I don't George Orwell wasted his time by writing the rest of the novel. <laughs> All right, so everywhere you go, someone is indeed watching you, and those mm. people are terrifying. Known as the Thought Police. These are secret police that discover and punish what is known as thought crime. Mm. Personal and political thoughts unapproved by the ruling party's regime. Spooky. I'm already I'm already uncomfortable. Okay. I, like I'm starting to see what people are talking about with this book. So, <laughs> it's a bit un- dystopian. Oh, okay. You you yeah. want me to cover I'm gonna drop bit. the D bomb. <laughs> if it's <laughs> I, I hope I'm not jumping the gun here. But yeah, I'm gonna call it. This novel is dystopian. Dystopian? But what happens if I zoom out and I say, it was Earth all along? (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, hang on. (laughs) But it's okay because it's in the the future? It's in the future. Or the past. It's already happened? Did things get better? Yeah. Or worse? Yeah, we got through this. We were able to gather together some of the most intellectual minds of the underground Mm. who were able to wink at each other with their butts. (laughs) 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 We've we've taken down Big Brother. Mm Mm-hmm. But before that, this is what happened. Uh, Smith lives in what used to be called London, but is now known as Airstrip One. Very well remembered, Peter. Located in a larger collection of countries now called Oceania. Mm. In the 50s or 60s, there was a revolution and nuclear war. And Earth is now divided into three superpowers or super states. There's Oceania, which is the UK, both of the Americas, Australia, and the bottom half of Africa. So they've got quite a lot going on. Yeah, but it's also very disparate, isn't it? Yeah, very broad. Uh, then there's Eurasia, which is mainland mainland Europe and Russia. Yep. And finally, there's East Asia, which is Japan, China, and the rest of Asia above India, below Russia. So is India, is that it part of um, Oceania then? No. So India, Southeast Asia, and the top half of Africa are disputed territory. Right. Okay. In the book. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. But Smith is in Oceania, which is ruled with an iron fist by the party known as Ingsoc, a new word for English socialism. Big right. Brother is the leader of the party, but it's not clear if he really exists or it's just a symbol. Right. Sort of a figurehead. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So it would be cool. like all those photos and pictures of Big Brother were for, from one really... Ex- extensive photo shoot. Oh, I imagine they would. They're like, all right, we've got to get six thousand photos <laughs> of you looking angry. It's like the guy who sells the internet provider stuff. There's a, a spokesperson in Australia for iInet. iInet. Oh yeah. my god, what is that? What man does that man live a life of luxury? It, he's got the best. I mean, he. I guess he can't show his face ever again. Like in even public? even in public, you think? Well, I mean, because because he's just be so recognizable. Recognizable. 
but also they probably wouldn't allow him. Oh, okay. no. Do you think that yeah. he's, he's? They've bought. They they own his face. He's in a basement much. somewhere. In fact, yeah. they own his face so much that the last one I saw, which was him sitting in a deck chair with his um, <laughs> sort of arms <laughs> behind. I've his seen head. that this week, and it's I've not his body. I'm absolutely certain that it's all <laughs> that's photoshopped. Wow! So they so, literally owned his face. Well, he's been dead. He's been dead for 15 <laughs> years. Yes, <laughs> that was the only way they can make sure no one saw him again. Yeah, it's like that um, that ancient Greek king or whatever who got that guy to build him that thing, and then he killed him, so he couldn't build any more for anybody else, right? Um, but then the minutes or uh, uh, I, I don't the, remember, and it might not have actually happened. Might have just been in a Terry Pratchett book, but. <laughs> But no, are you talking about the where he traps the guy who built the maze yeah, on the island? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, Icarus's dad. Mm. Is it Daedalus? Daedalus. Daedalus. That's right. Daedalus. They weren't very creative with yeah. their names. I mean, that's a you know. How does that make you feel reading feel the story like about Daedalus? Joke. I feel like I made this joke on a podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> I cry when it when it about, yeah yeah because there's a dad in there yeah. We were talking about that off podcast. Oh, sorry. Anyway. Yep. Oh, but it makes me think of also the... Uh, remember the the man who voiced the VB commercials? Oh, For many yeah. years and then after he died, they just started cutting up the old commercials to make new messages. Wow. Because <laughs> most of the messages Drink were... Drink more. Yeah. Drink. <laughs> the oh, <best>. thirsty. <laughs> so. For other products, apart from the, no, no, the alcoholic just VB, drinks? Just keeping the, that classic, the best cold, thirst is... Vic. You can get it. Walking. Yeah. yeah. You can get it sitting down. <laughs> Matter of fact, you should buy a couch. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the recut. Yeah, <laughs> So Smith is in Oceania, which is ruled with an iron fist, like I said, by Big Brother. Uh, food, tobacco, and clothing are all rationed. The members of the party are all supplied with victory gin, a horrific tasting drink that numbs the pain and any feeling of rebellion. See, I already I'm surprised by this because I didn't realise how shit their lives were mm. in this book. I, I I wasn't aware that that was part of it. I thought it was more about that totalitarian control, but I didn't realise also there was like that deprivation and that sort of austerity. Yeah, yeah. it's component. probably the 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 thing that Orwell gets wrong is right. that <laughs> the, instead of being numbed by um, the uh, victory gin, we're all numbed by. It. Exit, Lots of yeah. excessive entertainment. Yeah. Nice, sure. lovely, distracting things. things. By things. Yeah. I just bought a steam mop. I don't need that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you really? Yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, way. we are absolutely... Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking my own surveillance device into the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But right. we didn't need to put one in there. But what yeah. am I doing in there? I'm mopping. Mopping. Oh, yeah, yeah, having fun. <laughs> that must be so clean. Actually, I'm really excited about your steam oh, mop I mean, now. It's on its way, so I'll let you know how okay, it goes. Wow. Yeah. Do you plug it in? No, I'm not really sure. You can get it steaming. Steaming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, they say, "All right, mate, we're going to need you to read uh, just through the dictionary word by word." <laughs> it's like um, Tom Hanks, and his face had been—was it Tom Hanks? His face had been scanned for the Polar Express for that oh, um, wow. Robert Zemeckis movie. Oh, yeah. mm. So they have a database of every facial expression that Tom Hanks is capable He's of capable making. Of, unless so he invents some new ones. Now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's how he can get them. <laughs> um, so they can recreate Tom Hanks with yeah. a very you know, with great fidelity That's using exciting. computers. <laughs> is that the future? <laughs> That's yeah. the future. Yeah. Tom, Big Brother is Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Tom though. Hanks is Wouldn't watching you. Wouldn't that be exciting? It would yeah. be much nicer. Well, see, he said. 
this is what I'm saying about Big Brother, um, George Orwell getting it wrong. Big Brother would be a nice, fun thing that we all really like all the time. Yep. Um, mm. Even though Big Brother, you know, watches us and takes away all yeah, our Yeah, but freedoms. we want to be seen. Look at me. Yeah. Look at me. Tom Hanks. Isn't he fun? Mm. Yeah, Tom. We'd be excited to be watched, you think? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we're the ones, you know, posting our own surveillance yeah, and telling everyone what right. we're doing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all the time. But it, so it, there's it, two it, things he got wrong. Steam yeah. mops. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And He'd never even heard of a steam mop media. when he died. Okay, this book's shit. <laughs> steam mop sounds like a very sort of um, turn of the like 1900s thing, where they, you know, it's a it's a steam it's locomotive. A steam mop. <laughs> mm, sure. We're gonna apply a that's steam fun. to everything. Oh well, got it wrong, but. Dickens got it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it sounds like a backing band in Motown. The steam you know, mops. Johnny Ronson and the steam mops. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah. I'll listen be. to that. I'll listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so Smith, he worked in the outer party as a lowly member at one of the four government ministries. We've already talked about uh, one of them. He works for the Ministry of Truth. Mm. I didn't know that. That controls information via things like news, entertainment, education, and the arts. I and guess it's his job. Entertainment to, is yeah. what we were talking about a little it's bit. His, his job to update like the history textbooks. That to is right. Yes. To what it is that he's been. Yes. Yeah, so that the party has decided. Sort is of the rewrites truth. the past. Mm-hmm. Yes. Edit Twitter posts. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And they say it can't be done, but it probably can be. Oh, it can be soon. Uh, there's also the Ministry of Peace, which ironically is in charge of war. Mm. See, that's good writing. That's good stuff. <laughs> uh, Oceania. I, mean, I joke, but really, this kind of irony was really invented by Orwell, right? Yes, that's, I mean, that's why we still use his words seven decades uh, post. God, that was a good observation by me. I'm really <laughs> glad, and I stand by it. In fact, our use of irony is probably something that is really nulling, um, you know, numbing us to the actual threat of Big Brother, treating it like it's not. You're absolutely right, yeah, and that makes me really depressed. Oh, everyone's just staring at each other now. <laughs> a bit sad and deflated. I'll pick it up here. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. Oceania oh, Const- is a real bloody ministry of fun over here, isn't it? I'll tell you what. <laughs> so the place he's part of, Oceania, constantly changes which of the other two superpowers they're fighting with and which one they're allied with. And when the change comes, the party speaks as if it's always been that way, and people just instantly accept this as the truth. So mm. like for a while, it's like... Uh, Eurasia is our enemy East Asia is our friends And then they'll mm. Change that And then everyone's like Of course East Asia has always been our friend Eurasia mm. Has always been the enemy I mean I would f- I, th- Those names are quite similar anyway So I would find that hard <laughs> Yeah 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 Which is which again Yeah uh, The Ministry of Plenty Is the third one Which rations and controls food Clothing and other supplies They constantly publish information Claiming that people have more supplies And food each quarter When in fact the opposite is true Basic supplies are often scarce. At the start of the book, uh, no one can get their hands on any razor blades to shave with. So even really basic things. I am um, I'm picking up a bit of a bit of a theme with the old writing here. Okay. Bit of a motif. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of, of sort of saying the opposite of what is the thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. What What do you think the, the most terrifying ministry of all? It's uh, It's to do with hate. What would we call that? The ministry of. Snuggles. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping castles. <laughs> ministry of, of butterflies. It's the ministry of love. Yeah. Uh, heavily oh, that's chilling. Yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, isn't this interesting? One of the things I noticed about Donald Trump was how much he talked about love 
Have you noticed that? I love you so much. They, yeah. Yeah. He he used the word love oh. so much, and with the the crowd at the um the the January six mm-hmm. sort of storming of the Capitol, he used the word love. There was a lot of love there, but he was always, you know, it, it was in a way that like I would have thought was sort of counter to a like a maybe the strong man or the masculine image that he might have that some of his supporters would have been attracted to, but the way that he deployed the language of love was really interesting right he's blasting in the name of love yeah storm the capital mm-hmm. sure <laughs> all you need is love yeah and then he da, 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 da. he sung that bit too yeah <laughs> he did he, I wouldn't be surprised and then he, he transitioned into groovers in the heart mm. which was <laughs> an, <laughs> an interesting direction <laughs> Uh, the Ministry of Love is a heavily is heavily fortified. Our main character is absolutely scared to death of what goes on behind the windowless walls of the Ministry. This is where the thought police work and where di- uh, dissidents disappear for re-education and ultimately execution. Mm. Wait, sorry, they get re-educated and then they get executed? Yeah, so people frequently disappear yeah. and then sometimes reappear months later only to be then taken again to the night and then executed once and for all. Right. That seems like a waste. Yeah. yeah. Well, double of- handling. Yeah, you shouldn't educate them and then kill them again. I mean, not you shouldn't kill them at all. Well, Absolutely. yeah, but even but if you are going to, but gun it to my head, make, yeah. If I have to kill, <laughs> I'd rather do that than re-educate. Well, I mean, it's just resource management. Yeah, that's right. That's horrible. I could use this gun to my head <laughs> if I have to kill. But once the person is killed, they are then vaporized from history, and no one ever speaks of them again. They are called an unperson. Oh, mm. sure. Creepy. So all in all, it's basically a brainwashed society run on propaganda, mistruth, and fear. The party has tried to weed out all individual thought and joy. The party has even corrupted language to hamper individual thought. They're slowly introducing a new language called Newspeak. Grammar and vocabulary are slowly being simplified in order to stop people from being able to have their own individual thoughts. For example... Syme, who is a character working on a new edition of the New Speak Dictionary, proudly tells Winston in their, their work canteen one day that many words are being fa- phased out. And he says, it's a beautiful thing, the destruction of words. Mm. He continues, if you have a word like good, what is there a need for a word like bad? Ungood will do just as well. <laughs> Why need adjectives like excellent and splendid when society could just say double plus good or double double plus good? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with him. Oh, okay, cutting out the those, yeah, pesky extra words. I I think I understand the the eradication of negative words like bad or, yep. or, or with with un, um changing that to ungood, but eradicating better words than good. How does that help the regime stamp out? I guess you only ever think in simplified. I guess it yeah. flattens everything yeah. down to Limiting the same the level. Possibilities of expression. If you can't say it, then you can't think it. Right. Yeah. Because concepts like personal identity, self-expression and free will are categorized as thought crime, something that is punished by the thought police. Because technically, nothing is illegal. They'll say, nothing is illegal. There's no illegal thing to do. But then they all know if they do certain things, they might disappear. Right. They, they actually say nothing is illegal. Yeah, so nothing. Of course, he, In the book it says, of course, nothing is technically illegal. That's amazing. That's so, yeah. that's that yeah. I mean, it's got some good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people aren't safe in their own homes because, as well as the telly screens, children are members of the ju- uh, members of junior spies. 
and they're taught to spy on and denounce their own parents from a young age. <laughs> I hate so that. How long has this been, uh, society been running for? Uh, it's, a, it's a couple of two to three decades okay. since the the revolution. So wow. it's like a, a, a generation and a half. Yeah, because Winston, he's 39 and he can kind of remember bits of his childhood. Yeah. But I think he, he thinks, he seems to think he, he was about eight when his mother was disappeared. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. And it all boils down to the party's three main slogans. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Mm. They, I mean, they put a lot of like they put a lot of the the stuff up front, don't they? They're not like subtle about it. Yeah, they really are telling you what they're doing. And people are, are very accepting. They're very, which is uh, a great frustration that we'll find for our main character, Winston Smith. Uh, amongst all this fear, a main character does something very brave. In the corner of his flat, in a little alcove that was probably once used for a bookshelf. He knows that the telly screen can't see him. And that's good because he pulls out a diary that he clandestinely bought from a shop owned by one of the proles or the proletariat. You see, the proles actually make up 85% of society. But they're so impoverished and uneducated, the party doesn't see them as a threat and they, they're much less monitored. Right. They sort of live out in squalor away from the party. That actually sounds all right. Yeah, honestly, it's, they sound compared like they're having a, a better time. They've got pubs. Mm. Compared to Victory Gardens, yes. Yeah, that sounds awful, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Cabbages and old rags or whatever. Old cabbages yeah. and smelly rags. What was the... Yeah, but all the old cabbages and rags you can eat, you know. Yeah. Bountiful. <laughs> Smorgasbord. Mm. Maybe Victory Palace, Victory Terrace. Victory um, Mansion. Victory Mansion. Mm. Maybe it's made out of cabbages. That's exciting. Yeah. Actually, I've now, now I've switched... I don't want to be part of the proles anymore. (laughs) I want to be a junior, um, a junior member of the party. Yeah, King King Brassica of Radish Palace, please. (laughs) I don't know what I don't know what I just said. So the proles make up eighty-five percent of society. Winston Mm -hmm. is then part of the outer party who do lowly tasks, and then the Mm -hmm. inner party is the top two percent of society. And uh, we don't get much of a glimpse behind the. What's going on there? But it is heavily implied that they're living in luxury. Yeah. So that's one reason why it's good to keep everyone else downtrodden if if you can uh, live the high life. Mm, the 2%, eh? The 2%. Bloody hell. You got that wrong as well. Yeah. Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> By a factor of half. Mm. What's he? What was he thinking? Uh, he was probably particularly uh, George Unwell at that time. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Forgot to carry the one. Uh, Smith was walking through a part of the city occupied by the proles when, when he spotted a diary in an old second-hand shop. Paper is a scarce commodity no longer freely used. And after geeing up the courage to write in it for weeks, he finally sits down and begins to write down his thoughts. He's not sure who he's writing it for, but he doesn't censor the thoughts as he frequently acknowledges that just by buying the book, he is probably a dead man. Sooner or later, the thought police would discover what he's done and he would be killed. So throughout the book, he just refers to himself as a dead. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. There's a freedom to that. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's sort of, he goes, All right, I'm actually going to write down what I think for once. Mm. And he starts to write what he's been thinking for years. Mm. Um, they should have <laughs> made more Indiana Jones movies <laughs> early on. Oh, why did they let him get so old? Mm. Yeah. It's because no the second one wasn't as good. Yeah, but the third one was great. Yeah, He's right. writing all this down, actually. Yeah, it's yeah, a conversation right. with himself. Yeah, in fairness, the second one wasn't as good. But the third one was a r- real return to return form. Return to form. Mm. I yeah. loved that. 
why do they wait 30 years for the next one? Are they going to do another one after that? He's still writing this down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't like the fourth one, but I'd still pay to see a fifth one. Mm. I mean, they've made like five American Pie movies. <laughs> yeah. You want to you want to see Indiana Jones, The Golden Mile. <laughs> is Actually, it, is that it, does sound like an Indiana Jones film. It really does. Totally does. Yeah. Um, Was that one of the American Pie movies? Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Indiana Jones, Another Slice. <laughs> I'm sure that I, I assume that's what one of the American Pie movies is I think called. The Golden Pile. Golden Pile. <laughs> the Golden Pile. Gold, don't forget it. Um, let's move on. I got I got Pie and Mile mixed up in my mind. American Pile is that American Pile? When they're really old, they can call it American Piles. <laughs> well, they eat too much pie, mm. which I know, David. <laughs> anyway. Uh, makes it difficult to uh, communicate with the the underground mm. if you eat too much pie. Mm. But anyway. There you go. Get messages out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, earlier that day, so he's in the, in the book, we just, in the diary. Pass it on. I can't pass it at all. <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking, um, yeah, because you Winston and then you l- Lewston. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. Cut out everything else. Leave that in. He wrote that down as well. Yeah, so he's practicing. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those books that I uh, that I did in year twelve, nineteen eighty four. Mm. So rereading it was quite cool. Uh, many years later, but um, I remember my teacher at the time doing one of those things that you that sound clever in an essay, which is Winston Smith. His first name Winston at the time Winston Churchill, a very significant person, mm. but Smith, a very common name, mm. a juxtaposition between these two names. So. Right. Yeah, that, how I mean, would you? It, it, I agree. I think that's very clever. How would you do that today? Oh, okay. Who's a very uh, prominent? Okay, um, um, like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> okay. No wait, he's already a person, Andy. We can't. Are no, you? but I mean, you know, we're we're, we're picking. Oh, okay. So uh, which one are you using, Hugh or Hugh, Jackman, right? or is that someone's first yeah. name? Is Hugh? Jackman. But when you think of, but he, I think it's got to be someone that you think of. There's only one, like Adele. Yes. Ah, uh, sure. Like Beyonce. Oh, actually, Beyonce is probably... Yeah, so Beyonce and then a very common name. Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We Fantastic. got it. And then in Done. essays, the reason the author chose Beyonce and Knowles. <laughs> so in the, in the diary, he says earlier that day, he'd seen two people that had caught his attention and inspired his writing because he'd been thinking about it for weeks. He's had this diary hidden away. Uh, during what is called the Two Minutes Hate, where a daily video of the society's scapegoat, a man called Emmanuel Goldstein, or Goldstein, who is Big Brother's main political rival and traitor to society, is played played on the screen. Yeah. And he sort of... And again, we're not sure if he really exists, but he is portrayed as the head of an underground organisation called the Brotherhood, whose aim is to overthrow Big Brother. And if this person doesn't exist, is he just another person like our... Uh, internet man oh, yeah, who's yeah. just locked in a basement because he obviously can't be seen walking down the street going mm, to the shops because mm, mm. everyone's like you're the guy we all hate yeah he's just so endlessly he's just a having, having yeah. uh, uh, photo shoots holding daiquiris or <laughs> having a rocket <laughs> yeah. pack or yeah. um, <laughs> a rocket pack yeah oh, there's one with the, the uh, we're getting n- not um, Goldstein but the the guy <laughs> the, the internet spokesperson oh right okay yeah. I was um, 
I'm so confused. To show you how fast your internet can That's be, That's right, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people do direct their hate at their internet service providers. Yes. So probably if we were to pick a state enemy, oh, so he could very well be the IINet guy. He's the ultimate mm. scapegoat. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's why the dodo guys came up with a, like a, a bird that's already extinct. Oh, you can't take your hater. You, you exactly. can't club them. They've already been you can't clubbed. I'm already dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't get me. Sorry. Damn it. God, yeah. Their logo's a ghost. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but each day during the two minutes hate, video of Goldstein is played on the telescreens and members of the party hysterically yell, scream and jeer at him. So mm. if they take out their anger on him, tire themselves out. He's the person to hate. Mm. Don't hate. You, know, you, you feel neglected. It's all because of this guy. But isn't that interesting mm. how nowadays what we do yeah. is, is we're on the internet. Yeah. And we, are, we, we, we pick people to oh. hate on the internet. But very often they aren't people with any power at all. They're just, they are just somebody who's made a mistake or, or whose who's, who's, um, online presence has pushed them into this into visibility and we've decided something they've done is is something f- for us to um, attack right and sometimes they're you know they're bad people or they've done the wrong thing but then we we attack them but they have they are, again they're people with no power they might as well not really exist and yet we vent all our rage and our yeah. disgust at these people when who should we really be hating the guy the with half the jet of the two percent the one percent <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> yes and the II net guy yeah get him <laughs> <laughs> but those people are like two minutes I wish that the internet was only 80 for oh, two imagine minutes imagine if you could only use the internet for two <laughs> minutes a day I think that'd be great what happens if you're out during the two minutes do they have like a you know like a, a replay later I on during the day you can do catch up I'll, I'll get the catch repeats. up two minute hate I'll TiVo the two minutes of hate yeah I recorded it for later oh and at the end of the week you're like oh god I've, I've really skipped it it's 14 straight minutes of hate <laughs> I'm going to have to binge it all now. yeah you do an hour of hate each month you, I, yeah that'd be alright I mean the effect would be the same you'd be pretty tired after that whole session I've done that thing uh, where um, for a while there I decided I'd get fit and I'd do 20 push ups every day for a few months mm-hmm. and then I kept putting it off putting it off and by the end of it I was like alright well I only have to do 6,000 push-ups <laughs> a day and I'll be back on track I think that's a great idea though do you reckon I could get fit if I did 20 push-ups a day I reckon it's yeah. maybe slowly built, built maybe not as fit 10. as if you did 6,000 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you, you know what you're right I'll do 6,000 a day mm. I'll be so much every day yeah you'll crush me you'll crush me so I think it's the kind of thing where wherever you are, you stop what you're doing because there's tele screens uh, everywhere. That's mm. tr- okay, yeah. So you can't escape, you can't Big really escape, and you can't escape the two minutes of hate. No, and there's also um, in the morning they do these exercises, and Winston one morning is sort of struggling to keep up with the exercises, and the tele screen starts berating him like someone's clearly watching, saying, "You there in room three or four? Aim high with those jumping jacks." Wow. So you know, you someone is actually watching. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, it's just like the um, the Nintendo Switch Ring Fit, <laughs> <laughs> which I tried to use during the pandemic to no? keep myself fit. Everybody would tell me that I was, you know, you there, <laughs> you there, boy, you there, boy, <laughs> person in an apartment, run faster, oh, right. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, here we are, mocking 1984, 
Let's think about a dystopian future. And we're talking about getting yelled at by our ring fit during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Well, the well, ring fit was communicating in a series of vibrations, though, Andy. Uh, Not unlike... So maybe it was on the, the side of the angels. Yeah, it could have been. If you had a glass grass between your buttocks, then you really could have been. There were there were lots of videos on how to use it, so I didn't quite get through all of them, but I'm sure what that, sure. that was one of them. <laughs> Ring fit really does sound like it's something to help you. <laughs> it totally does. It teaches you to communicate. Mm. Absolutely. Really Are you ring fit? <laughs> Matter of fact. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, just before the morning's two minutes hate, Winston noticed a young girl with black hair sporting a sash showing that she was a member of the Junior Anti-Sex League. Mmm, Jazzle. He <laughs> just <laughs> he hated her and thought she stood for everything he despised, unquestioning loyalty to the party. He was like, she she disgusted him. The other person he noticed was for the opposite reason. It was a member of the inner party whose job was so important and remote that it was a mystery to Winston. But he'd seen him a few times over the years. But this time, before the two minutes hate, this man called O'Brien gave him a look that seemed to say, and this is a quote from the book, I know precisely what you are feeling. I know all about your contempt, your hatred, your disgust, but don't worry, I am on your side. That's O'Brien. a hell. That's wow. a hell of a look. Mm. How do you do that? Would if you do you move your eyebrows? Yeah. Mm. Is there a bit on your lip that you need to pull up or down? <laughs> he dropped his pants. <laughs> he said, this is what I'm really thinking. <laughs> More than can be said with the <laughs> face alone. <laughs> chirp, chirp, chirp. <laughs> But it made Winston think that maybe the underground brotherhood really did exist. He even begins to dream about this guy called O'Brien, who seems to, who says to him, he hears a voice that he thinks is O'Brien, saying to him, we shall meet in the place where there is no darkness. Right. And this is in his own dream, but he seems to think, oh, this is a real sign. Yeah. Makeup, makeup uh, department at David Jones? Mm. <laughs> that place is overlit. Oh 24-hour McDonald's. <laughs> It's one or the other. Try yeah. both, Winston. <laughs> that shop on Chapel Street that they made the fatal mistake of painting. It's a pretzel shop and they painted everything pink. Ooh. Mm. Everything. everything. The floor, the walls, the chairs. It is overwhelmingly <laughs> pink. It is overwhelming. There's no darkness in there. Uh, as he recalls this, this is a mem- memories recalling, he looks down at the diary to realise he'd subconsciously written over and over again in capital letters, Down with Big Brother. Ooh. Bad. Uh-oh. Bad idea. I know. So, remember, he thinks, you know what? I'm, I'm going to... They're going to get me anyway. Is that like street jive talking? Say, I'm down I'm with down, Big yeah, Brother. That's what he try and tell the yeah, thought police. You can spin whoa, anything whoa, these whoa, days. Whoa, I'm down with Big Brother. Yeah, BB is my guy. I would have I would have thrived in this environment. Making stuff up. Yeah, making stuff up, oh. spinning things. There's still time, Andy. Mm. Mm, thank you. If we live to... 2084. 2084. I mean, gosh, it's going to suck when you're around that time and they're making so many books and movies and stuff that are like, ooh, 2084, you know. 
Yeah. It'd be like when um, Paul McCartney turned 64. I, 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 I think about that a lot. I think about the the... I think it was in the Good Weekend or the Australian magazine where there was like a headline that was like, do we still need him? You oh, know? will we st- still feed him? Yeah. Because it's our responsibility to feed. <laughs> we'll feed Paul McCartney. <laughs> uh, Winston works at the Ministry of Truth where his job is basically to update old newspapers, rewriting the truth to match the party's version of events. Well, recognise Andy. Uh, Big Brother is never wrong, you see. Winston gets the old articles and, and newspapers sent to his cubicle via system of tubes, and then he speaks into a, a, a device called a speak right, which is ba- basically a microphone that types out what he's dictating. Mm. He then destroys the old document and any evidence that would ever contradict the party, basically rewriting history to Big Brother's narrative. Right. So they're never wrong. So he does that with single copies of newspapers mm. or yes and i think they're part of the someone else's job is to track down all the old copies of the newspapers right. and destroy them and but so then they have on file the only official version of events so if anyone ever had to challenge something they'd say well it says right here that that's exactly what we predicted Ooh. we were right redacted yeah so even stuff like um winston remembers that at the start of the year they said, there's no way this year we promise your rations of chocolate will not go below 30 grams. Mm. And then there's an announcement a few days later saying, good news, everyone, the rations of chocolate have been improved to 25 grams. (laughs) And everyone rejoices and Winston's like, don't these people remember? This is less. But then people like him actually rewrite the, the old thing saying that it'll never be below 30. This is such a good book. It's so this good. is so good, you and really I think should we should get it. rid of all other books. I think we should burn all the other books. <laughs> no, we should only have 1984. Burn we don't all. need them. We'll go through every other book and rewrite them line by line, <laughs> like change each letter. Yeah, so it's 1984. <laughs> so a copy of War and Peace is just this four times over. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, Winston also makes up stories about war heroes inspiring the public with fake propaganda. One day he caught the party out in a lie when a photograph of some disappeared people had accidentally been sent to him wrapped up in another article. Mm. He, he was like, oh my God. And he thought, if I get caught with this, they'll, uh, you know, I'll be disappeared. So he has to quietly look at it. He remembered hearing the people confess on the telescreen that they'd committed treason overseas uh, in one of the rival countries. But the photo proved that they had, in fact, been in New York at that time. He had a photo of them in New York, which is an allied country, not committing treason. So he reasons that they must have been confessing to false crimes. Ooh. He hangs onto this small sliver of truth that the party definitely lies to the people. He's like, all right, I've got 100% proof that they're lying here because there's no other proof that they're lying because they rewrite everything. Mm. But he's like, in my mind, I know that they lie about this, so they probably lie about all but that other stuff too. He does the rewriting. Like, he's part of the system yes, that absolutely. is, is yeah. part of the lying mechanism, but he needs something to, yeah, to, to hold on to, to make sure that he understands that it's he's not doing... Yeah, I mean, I guess what something think that he's isn't doing, just then? words. Yeah. Know, I guess part of the book is that, like, words can be so easily manipulated. Yes. Whereas pictures cannot. Absolutely not. Despite what you think about the IINet guy. I believe he was on that beach. <laughs> yeah, he was loving that beach. Yeah. I never said he was on a beach, Andy. I said that he was sitting in a deck chair. Fuck, I feel yeah, like Yeah, I fool. know. Yeah, Have that. Now your yeah, head's right. spinning, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> One of the things where you go, but in my mind, he was on a beach. I remember him on a beach and he was only re- 30 you grams. You said he was on a beach. You said he was on a beach. <laughs> no, I said he was 25 grams <laughs> and he was in a deck chair, Andy. If we go back to the tape, I will redub that section. Yes, thank you. 
So Winston realizes that true freedom lies in the ability to in- the ability to interpret reality as one perceives it, rather than having an external force change it. For example, the ability to say two plus two equals four. Mm. It always equals four. Yeah. Yep. Rather than, but sometimes it equals five. Well, if the party wants let's you to see what they say. Let's see. That's your opinion, man. So like I said before, he barely remembers his childhood before the revolution. His mother was disappeared, but he wonders if it's always been like this. It's sort of like right at the back of his mind. It's like, was it always this bad? So going for a walk... This is so scary. Yeah, it is scary. Andy's bit... Can you can you just skip to one of the nice parts? Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Don't just worry, One Andy. of the gentler parts of this story. Getting, Thank you. It's yeah. good. Okay, great. He's going to win. There's a bit where he remembers playing snakes and ladders as a child with his mum. Oh, that They won four nice. games each. Yeah. That's quite nice. Is that really true? That's, yeah, it is. Four plus four. That's actually made me heaps sadder. <laughs> what? That sounds fun. Yeah, I know. But the fact that he remembers it and it's a special memory and now people probably don't get to experience that in this Snakes thing. and Ladders are banned. It's a real, real... It's it's Man, it's a tough listen. I bet it would be a fucking brutal read. What was it like reading it? Um, Maybe I'll say at the end. Okay, save okay. it up. Oh, right. do, do you give it stars? Do you give it so it does end. There's a little... Right. Oh, oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there's not a there's not a, oh because it's built in to have a sequel yeah 1985 oh <laughs> yeah and if you want you can keep going it goes forever that's 1984 like, like, B well with your with your book you very cleverly called volume one yes yeah. well done very good there's no this guy's not the limit on yep. that yeah I got that idea from a radio oh. beat but from a radio control knob Thought volume one, volume two. <laughs> but what's the cap on the radio knob? <laughs> because the books get louder and louder. The text, <laughs> yeah, right? The text gets larger and larger with each volume. Mm. So he's wondering, was it always like this? So going for a walk amongst the proles, he sees a man who appears to be about eighty years old, meaning he would have been in middle middle age already when the revolution came. Sure, he must have had a developed mm. memory. So Winston buys him a beer at a pub for proles, something he's not supposed to do. And uh, he asked him if the things the party has told Winston about the past being much worse for society when it was controlled by evil capitalists that had everyone enslaved. Mm. He's like, is that true? Mm. But the man is senile and can't properly answer any of his questions. Oh. So it goes on this little, oh, yes, I remember the past. Sort of like, you know, classic old person thing. Oh, that a tie. Yes, I remember wearing a tie, a purple one. Oh, yes, fantastic. <laughs> it's like, no, but answer the question, old man. Oh, you're finally getting what this book is about. It's about old people are annoying to talk to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the message is finally becoming clear. We get it now. <laughs> Uh, because they're kept purposefully uneducated, many proles don't seem to even realise that they're being oppressed. They don't even realise that there's a problem. Still, because of their sheer numbers, remember there's 85% of society is made up of the proles, Winston writes in his diary that any revolution against the party surely must come from the proles. Mm. He's like, they're the secret hope. Surely. Well, just by weight of numbers. Yeah, you can't keep them down. Mm. Uh, going for a walk one night, which itself is dangerous if he's caught going somewhere with no real proper reason... He passed by the second-hand shop where he bought the diary that he's now writing, writing in. He goes back in and is fascinated by some of the old trinkets, especially a piece of glass embedded in a bit of coral. It's a paperweight, and he sees it as a link to the past. Right. He's like, oh, it's probably about 100 years old. And so it smells really nice. No, no. It's got that um, dead sea creature smell that yeah. everybody oh. loves. Well, honestly, you've got to remember, everything smells like cabbage. Yeah. yeah. So a dead sea creature, that's... It smells pretty good. It's an exciting new note. Yeah, that's a, that's a scent. It's much evocative. sought after. 
So he buys it. He buys it for $4. Uh, the owner of the place recognises Winston and introduces himself as Mr. Charrington. Ooh. A friendly man who talks Winston through a few of the items he has for sale around the shop. He says, basically, antiques are getting harder to come by and I, I don't have that much of worth anymore in here. But he also shows Winston the room above the shop, which is furnished like an old-fashioned bedroom with a large bed. And most importantly of all, it has no tally screen. It's like, a, it's like an, an old-fashioned bedroom from the past. Large bed, right. no telly screen. So, Mr. Carrington. Charrington. Charrington. Um, Big Brother doesn't think he's that important. Doesn't want him to do calisthenics in the morning. Yeah, because he's one of the proles. They don't bother yelling commands at them. Yep. They leave them to their own devices. Because they're not... Mm-hmm. So, on the wall is a print of St. Clement's Church which Charrington remembers once had a rhyme attached to it, which is oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clemens. You owe me three farthings, say the bells of St. Martin's, which doesn't quite rhyme. No. No, so the past wasn't that great. It should be, you owe me three farthings, <laughs> says the bell of St. Martin's. <laughs> this is all yeah. in the book, is it? <laughs> wow. Winston's correcting him, yeah. saying, okay. honestly, if you're going to go for a rhyme. Uh, Mr. Charrington can't quite remember the rest of the rhyme. There's a few more church bells with rhymes he can't remember. Mm-hmm. But, but he knows that it ended with, here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes the chopper to chop off your head. Ooh. And this saying, the whole oranges and lemons, so the bells from St. Clemens, uh, bounces around in Winston's, Winston's head as another connection to the past. Mm. He's like, oh, I've got to find out what the, what the, what the next it's rhyme the, is. It's, it's a real earworm, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a banger. <laughs> To be honest, you can see. I can't remember the bits in the middle either. Mm. And I also think it'd be easier to change the name of the church than to change the name of the currency oh, if you so wanted to make it rhyme. <laughs> yeah. There's only one church <laughs> yeah. and the currency is used all over um, No, the I'm country. sorry, we're changing it to fartons. <laughs> fartons. <laughs> There's three fartons to a shilling. Something of, some, of, of St. Paul's, right? It must be St. Paul's must be in there. Um... How did you fall? Say the bells of Saint Paul. I mean, I. It's, no, a, it's, it's a, You can write your own. It's, it's you know, fine. It's a nonsense. Nonsense. It rhyme. is. It is nonsense, isn't it? But uh, but Winston's fascinated with it because he's fascinated by the past and how yeah. things used to be. Uh, on the walk home, he sees the dark-haired woman he saw with the anti-sex league sash, and she's in the proles area as well. And he panics that she's following him. He's like, she's got no reason to be here. He wonders if she's a member of the Thought Police and that she's going to turn him in. Mm-hmm. So he's like, maybe I should double back, follow her down an alley and bludgeon her to death before mm. she can turn me in. <laughs> That's the thought that he has. Whoa. But fortunately, he makes it home without any violence. He loses her and he goes, hopefully she doesn't turn me in. But he soon sees the girl at work and she, uh, she just falls over in front of him. <laughs> she just stacks it. See, this is good. I knew there'd be some comic relief. <laughs> is she um, carrying her books to class? Is she's, this? <laughs> she's got her arm in a sling. Right. She falls over. Oh, that's even funnier. <laughs> and uh, as he, he's like, what the hell? He, as he helps her up, she discreetly hands him a note. Well, she, oh. and, and he puts it in his pocket and he goes, what the hell? So he goes back to his desk and he's like, all right, I've got to, I've got to like not look at it for 10 minutes because someone might be watching. And then he discreetly gets it out and it just says, I love you. What? This is cute. Wow, that's a twist. This yeah. is real cute. Also, how I'm I've got this, right? If you want to look at a piece of paper that's in your pocket, yeah. blow your nose with it. 
Everyone will think it's a tissue. Yeah. Everybody has a good look at their snot <laughs> after they blow their yeah, nose. Let me look yeah. at it. I love it. It's one of the few rare treats that even Big Brother cannot deny you. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. It's so human we couldn't beat that mm, out of people. No. What's in there? Oh, that's what a good one. Oh, Look at that. Oh, better out than in that stuff. Yes. Jesus, look at and that. No matter what reaction you have, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. You read a note that says I love you, your eyes melt with yeah. passion and <laughs> passion and fury. That's the same look that you have when you look at the spot in your hankies. You read something that is threatening and you look concerned and worried. Yeah. Well, you've seen something in your hanky that you didn't think was yeah, you were yeah. going to see. Mm-hmm. Perfect way to get around surveillance. Seven thumbtacks. My God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently, I've been chroming in my sleep again. <laughs> but he's confused by the note. He's like, I love you. What the hell is going on? But he can't openly ask her about it until after days of trying to get near her in the canteen with people around. He finally gets a table close enough that they can briefly talk. Mm. And also the table has to be not near a telly screen. So it's, it takes a lot of moving around the canteen. They arrange to meet outside of work and she gives him, when they do meet, detailed in directions to a spot in the countryside outside of London and tells him to meet her there. Right. So these people have never met though. No. No. But she, they've been seeing they've each, seen each other at work distance. during the two minutes hate and stuff like right. that. Does, do we know where... Our um, eyes locked during the two minutes of hate. <laughs> yeah. 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 My wife and I saw you during the two minutes of hate, and we really dig your vibe. (laughs) Care to join? (laughs) So he goes to the countryside. You're allowed to go uh, technically 100 kilometres without stamping your passport. That's how far you can go. Okay. Uh, There they meet, and he follows their instructions, and Winston's suspicions of her being a member of the Thought Police are so wrong. She throws off her anti-sex league sash and reveals that she is the opposite of the Thought Police. Her name is Julia. The pro-sex league. Yeah. Oh, she is definitely in the pro-sex league. She, she pulls off the bottom <laughs> leg of the uh, the bottom right leg of the A on her ASL <laughs> sash and so it makes it look like a P. Pro-sex league, she says. That was just Velcro. So her name is Julia, and despite on the surface seeming to love working for the party and volunteering all her time with party activities, she also secretly hates them. And her way of rebelling is to have affairs with other members of the party. Mm. So she definitely is in the pro-sex league. Mm. Absolutely. Well, sorry, Andy, just to go back to your idea about changing the thing, it's a lot like in The Fugitive, where they're staking out the house that they think that... um, Harrison Ford is hiding in. Yes. And then they all rip off their disguises and pull down on their backs, built into their coats, is FBI. Like they rip a part off their clothing off to reveal they're actually... I don't remember that in the future. It happens. I'm wow. sure it happens. That's wow. like the, the strippers breakaway pants. It's exactly like that, <laughs> yes. But I'm watching The Fugitive the whole time. I'm thinking, why didn't he make another Indiana Jones movie during this era? Yeah. Mm. Well, he yeah. was too busy making The Fugitive... <laughs> Making um, uh, the presumed innocent, all mm, the Patriot all games, all those Tom Clancy um, adaptations, Air the Force sum of one. all fears, yes. clear and present danger. Yep, Air Force One, indeed. Mm. But should we watch that film? Oh, that's actually a good one. He's a, he's a good president. Mm. Get off my plane. That was what Put Donald Trump wanted to model himself on. Really? Yeah, he said he would be like he would be like that. <laughs> that was the kind of president he wanted to be. <laughs> Is Mostly like, throwing is people like in a plane. debate or something. Like literally, that's oh. in an interview. Maybe he described himself as. And did you know? So uh, 
big fan of uh, NCIS. I used to be big, big, big fans. Uh, mm. The first ever episode of that show, the plot is people take over the plane and they use the same plot from Air Force One. Right. And that's how they crack the code. They say, oh my God, it's just like that movie, Air Force One. Wait, so the, wait, wait. So NCIS just <laughs> rip off Air Force One in the first ever episode. But they actually explicitly, they, they say, explicitly say, that. oh, it's just like the plot of Air yeah, Force One. Right. Something like... Um, the president is on a plane. The president is on a plane, but they, he has to take Air Force Two technically because they they make Air Force One go out of action. And Air, the difference in Air Force One and Two is in Air Force Two, they don't have digital code locks or something like that. It's sure, The sure. guns mm. on board are... Well, are this just, sounds completely different to Air Force One. I mean, it, uh, it's Air Force Two. It's Air Force Two. Hands but then, um, and then episode two, that whole season, episode two of NCIS, the plot of Die Hard... Episode really? three. No. <laughs> and then they mention that it's episode, this is just like three. in Die Hard. Yes, it's just the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. oh my, finding Nemo. We have to find this fish. <laughs> just like a movie. Just like a movie. But yeah, the first ever episode. It's like the pilot. They got so, so lazy. They just copied Air Force wow. One. I mean, they just looked at the words pilot. And they were like aeroplane. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I watched a movie um, about an aeroplane last <laughs> night. I reckon we could use that. That was good. That was good stuff. So, um, so anyway, he's with Julia in the countryside. Her way of rebelling is to sleep with other members of the party. And Winston is happy to hear this as it means that there are more party members out there breaking the rules. Mm. So they hook up in the bushes and from there they begin their own affair. This is nice. I'm happy for him. Now, in the society, they can marry, but it has to be approved by the party. And there's no chance that they would approve it for people who actually like each other. They, sure, they match right. people together, but not, not people who might like each other more than they like Big Brother. Yep. So you can't be with... Sure. So, so as soon as you show that you like them, they're like, well, you can't get married. Right. You so, like each other. So you have to keep it on the down low. Yeah, you have to... I hate this man. And they're like, oh, fantastic. You're married. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> well, Winston was once married to a woman... Uh, Turns out he despised her, named Catherine. She was very, very into the party, towed the party line completely. Yeah. And as soon as they realised that they couldn't have children together, they separated. Oh, that was nice that they got Big Brother let them do that. Yeah. And he hasn't seen her in about 11 years at this point. But they're still technically married. Julia and Winston find it hard to meet. But Julia, being a member of the Big Brother hiking party, one of her extracurricular activities that hides her actual attitudes toward mm. the party, helps her with knowledge of quiet spots away from the city. Do they have big? Does Big Brother feature as a name of most things? You know, like the Big Brother forklift drivers. Oh, maybe yeah. Well, they, Victory is a, is another word. So there's Victory Mansion. He lives. Mm. There's Victory Gin. Victory Cigarettes. Yeah, yep. that's their brand. And a few things are Big Brother too. But I don't know about the forklift. I can inquire. <laughs> yeah, okay. I will look into that. You, who will you ask? <laughs> yeah, George. Well, ah. just we've got ministries. We've got the Big Brother thing. We've got mm. um, anti. You know. Mm. There's a couple there's of different recurring motifs. Motifs, and there's you know there are less words. We're trying to eradicate words, so everything. That's is right. Maybe yeah. it's just yeah. Can we make forklift shorter? <laughs> the flift, flift, flift. One syllable. That's great. Done. Thank you. <laughs> I've been working on that for a yeah. while. No, I'm glad you got to use it. Finally got to debut <laughs> flift. <laughs> yeah, I'm a flift driver. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Winston proposes the idea of renting the flat above Mr. Charrington's shop and letting that become their secret little love bed. den. Big bed. Mm. Big bed. That was great foreshadowing. It's like, you know, Chekhov's bed. Chekhov's you know, introduce bed. a big bed, people are going to bone in that <laughs> yeah, bed. Yeah, they're going to bone mm. in that, absolutely. 
The bigger the bed, the bigger the boning. Mm. I bet that there's... Well, there was a picture of that church. I bet you there's a secret camera in that picture oh. of the church. Behind St. Clemens. St. Clemens. St. Clemens. The Lemons. Yeah. Not St. Martin's. The no. The far- no Fartons. <laughs> uh, Julia quickly agrees and they know... Even though they know it's foolish and that they'll almost certainly be caught out sooner rather than later, they decide to do it. Uh, uh, Mr. Charrington doesn't seem to mind about the affair and is happy to make a little extra money renting out his room. Sure. Remember, he's struggling to sell antiques these days, so he's yeah, happy, not, to, not many. happy to take that. Uh, they eat and drink things not readily available in their day-to-day lives. And they just create like a, like a proper coffee is drunk. And they eat and sleep in the bed like they're a domestic couple from the past. Right. And they eat things like... Uh, <sighs> Coral embedded in glass. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think this is what people used to eat. It's a bit rough, but the past was better. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is such a delicious notebook. <laughs> Please pass me another piece of the print of St. Clemens. <laughs> uh, they sing the song about St. Clemens together. Because oh, man. They've got to get some more tunes. <laughs> Julia knew it from her grandpa. He used to sing it when she was very young. And uh, and they love the the portrait of St Clement. She vows to one day clean the painting on the wall and then take it take it with them wherever they go. She's like, th- you know, this will be part of our lives. From here, Winston and Julia fall in love. They love each other. Oh, and while they're really bad about what's going to happen. And while they know that they will someday be caught, they believe that the love and loyalty they feel for each other can never be taken from them under even the worst circumstances. Even under torture, it can't make them really give the other one up. Their love is the ultimate rebellion against the party. That's mm. what keeps them going. Yep. Right. But they're not exactly on the same page about how else to rebel against the party. Winston still dreams of overthrowing the party with the Brotherhood, the underground society, and he tells her that he thinks that the party member, O'Brien, might be on their side too. Julia actually believes that War and party enemies like Emmanuel Goldstein are party inventions just used to control the populace. Winston disagrees with her lack of concern and says to her, you're only a rebel from the waist downwards. And they have a bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. That's a, a rude thing to say. Yeah, that is quite rude. That's a gr- oh, it's a great expression, though. Rebel you're a rebel from the waist downwards? Yeah. Oh, that's good. You're always kicking stuff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Your toes, they're yeah. out of control. <laughs> Ow! Uh, Winston's friend Syme, who was proud of destroying words, is disappeared. Oh, that's right. Winston even thinks you're too clever for your own good. They'll eventually get rid of you once. He's he's very obsessed with destroying words, but also Winston's like you're a bit smart for them. Yeah, right. They they won't like it. you're. You're also thought. probably enjoying yourself too much. That's yeah, a I bad thing as well, right. isn't it? Loving it, loving destroying the words. Yeah. Mm. O'Brien, the inner party member that Winston thinks is hopefully part of the Brotherhood, approaches him at work and discusses Syme with, with Winston. Something you're not meant to do with someone who has become an unperson. Sure. You're never meant to mention them ever again. Mm. Winston sees this as a hint from O'Brien that they are on the same page. That they're both rebels. From the waist down. From the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they start playing soccer. <laughs> Illegally. Yeah. O'Brien invites Winston around to his house to borrow a copy of the Newspeak Dictionary. He's like, oh, come round. You can borrow that Newspeak Dictionary that we were talking about. Mm. And Winston also sees this as an invitation to rebel, and he is so stoked, but also knows this will probably be another step to his ultimate demise. Okay. The only thing that's making me feel okay about this is the fact that he knows that it's coming. Yeah, okay. Because I know it's bad. 
So Andy wants to yell out, look out behind you, well, Winston. I do, though. And Winston's just going to, I already know. I yeah. know there's something behind me. I know, there's there's something terrible that's going to get me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doomed. I'm doomed. It's like, I'd rather not properly look, but I know something. Yeah. Thank you for telling me. So uh, both Julia and Winston travel to O'Brien's house and are amazed that he's able to turn off his telly screen. Something that they can't. In the outer party, they can't do that, but he's like... Right. He's got a remote. With the screen off, Winston declares that he and Julia are enemies of the party and that they wish to join the Brotherhood. Oh, no. Don't reveal Julia's into it. O'Brien confirms that the Brotherhood is real and so is Goldstein, the man that people curse during the two minutes hate. O'Brien tells Winston that he'll give him a copy of Goldstein's manifesto, which people just refer to as the book. Ooh. O'Brien says to Winston, we shall meet again. And Winston finishes the sentence, in the place where there is no darkness, like his dream. Yeah. Which O'Brien confirms. Mm. Wow. So Winston gets a copy of Goldstein's book and it explains that the war with the other two states is actually a tool to keep the nation's populaces preoccupied with war. Yep. War is peace. Got it. Tick. Tick, tick. Next morning as Julian and Winston look out the window onto the neighbourhood of Proles. Uh, so they're back in the, the flat, mm-hmm. back in their little love nest. They've stayed there all night. Winston laments, we are the dead. And Julia says... We are the dead. And at that moment, a third voice is heard to echo them saying, You are the dead. The voice is heard from a telescreen hidden behind the picture of St. <gasps> Clemens on the wall bum, bum, bum. that has been listening to them the whole time. Oh, no. You called it, Andy. Fuck. Look out in front of you. And only, yeah. and only on my second read did I notice that bit where she says, I've got to clean that picture someday. Yeah. Anyway... Oh. Didn't notice that the first time, so it's like, well, if she'd cleaned it earlier, I guess she would have found it, but they would have, you know, they've already been found out. Yeah. Uh, Winston and Julia then hear the sound of boots surrounding their hideaway, and the couple stand back to back, terrified. And then they hear a voice say, which sounds familiar, and the voice says, and by the way, here comes a candle to light you to bed, here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Oh, come on, big brother. I mean, this is all a little, <laughs> little on the nose. A little bit yeah, thick. Uh, Winston realizes on that thick. he realizes that the voice is that of Mr. Charrington, the owner of the antique oh. shop, Uh-oh. who walks into the room and Winston realizes that he was wearing a disguise this whole time and was in fact working for the Thought Police. Right. He tears off the a few pieces of Velcro from the word <laughs> Mr. Charrington on his script. <laughs> yep. On his on his on his. Fuck, sash. The sash? Yeah, the sash. <laughs> it says the Thought Police. Anyway, that took me too long to get there. You all knew where I was going with it. It's all a bit pathetic. Let's move on. So they've finally got him. And Winston finds himself in a cell in a, in a windowless room, brightly lit in what he assumes is the Ministry of Love. A place bum, where there bum, is no darkness. Just a place where there is no darkness, correct. Yeah. Um, just to go back a little bit, why was Mr. Charrington wearing a disguise? To look like an old... So, he takes ah, off the disguise. Oh, so he's a young guy. He's, he's right. actually a man of only about 30. His Ooh. hair, instead of being grey, was now black. Right. His features were well, were younger. Got it. Because they've never seen him before. They were just sort of... If he took out of his disguise and he was another old person, yeah, no, that like, was, it wouldn't yeah. have mattered. <laughs> no, that was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm another person you That's don't right. know. It was me all along. <laughs> Who? <laughs> you know, Mr. Charrington, <laughs> but not... But yeah. What? My real name Party functionary. is Mr. Carrington. Ha <laughs> 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 ha! I fooled you. Off the H. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so 
a loud noise. Oh my goodness, are we being watched? Are we being recorded? Yeah. Other than this podcast? Here comes a... You are the dead. <laughs> oh. Here comes a lemon to chop off your head. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That would suck because it would sting as well, right? From no. the juice. Oh. If you had your head cut off with a lemon. Yeah. <laughs> take a long time too. <laughs> sure. So uh, he's in the Ministry of Love, or he assumes he is because it's a windowless room. Around him he sees starving and other beaten prisoners. And he's like, oh, this is not looking good. He even recognises a couple of people. He's like, that's the guy from down the street. Why is he here? He always seemed like a good party member. Mm. O'Brien appears and Winston cries out, they've got you too. To which O'Brien replies, they got me long ago. (gasps) And identifies himself as an operative of the Ministry of Love. So he too was in on it the whole time. And here they are, as he said, meeting in the place with no darkness. So he didn't lie to him. No, that's nice. They just had different... But, but that was also came from a dream. Go, yeah, it came from a dream. They're yeah. the dream police as well. The sort... The oh, dream they are police, the th- they live inside of my head. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> I am, you are, we are the dead. <laughs> yeah. It's a hit. Yeah. It's better than that fucking Clemens song. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shocker. It's a shocker. Imagine if that was what you were singing with your beloved. Yeah. It's not sexy. That's not nothing sexy about that. No. Three fartins. No. <laughs> yeah. Sexy about that. Geez, you hold that in for the first six months at least. Exactly surely. right. Surely. Under no circumstance must they see the real you. Mm. Uh, so from here it gets pretty grim, I must say. O'Brien, uh, who's been in on it the whole time, he oversees Winston's... Uh, Sessions of torture Increasing pain over many days Until Winston agrees that O'Brien is holding up five fingers Even though he's only holding up four mm. Two plus two that equals four Well that's gone out the window That was oh, um, no. that was exactly You know that was the bit in that uh, Star Trek episode Next Generation with um, With yes. the Picard You know yes. there are four lights Oh is that what the Borg do to him? Yeah no, no not the Borg I think it might be the Romulans Oh Oh, do they do they brainwash him? They're trying to, but there is in him. fact four. But they're trying to make him say five. Five, five yeah. Well, there you go. Those aliens are hack. Yeah, I I remember thinking, geez, this is a good bit of Star Trek. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like, this is a really this good, good bit. For the they amount ripped of, it off. For the amount of times that um, Captain Picard gets brainwashed by someone, yeah. you'd think that he probably shouldn't stay in the in the military, <laughs> or not military, but stay in command of a giant sort of planet-destroying starship. You're absolutely right, Pete. I'll have yeah. a word. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know With what Gene. they were thinking. Me and Gene get together all the time. I'll tell him. He's in space now, isn't he? Did they fire him into space? I think they put oh, at least so. some of his ashes into space. That's fun. Maybe his wife as well. That's where they belong. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's real nice. What, she, was she... She Dead? passed Not as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No, but I'm not sure if they oh were no. mi- are they mixed together or they're separate compartments. Well, that's that's I okay. Don't, I don't mind that. Mixed together. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Squish them into a diamond, maybe? Yeah, okay. But yeah, yeah, thank you. Embed please. a bit of coral in the middle of it? Nah, oh, now we're talking. Now that sounds tasty. Mm, smells good too. <laughs> yum, <laughs> yum, yum. Food from the past. Uh. Ashes and coral. <laughs> mm. uh, so Winston is tortured into accepting what the party call double think. Uh, a process of indoctrination in which subjects are expected to simultaneously accept two conflicting tr- beliefs as truth, often at odds with their own memory or sense of reality. So that's why he's holding up four fingers. Mm. It's both four and five fingers. Mm. And he can accept that. 
Uh, O'Brien explains that the party's only goal is absolute endless and limitless power. Winston counters that the party has limits. For example, they can't control the universe or the stars. Mm. But O'Brien explains that the party could, in theory, control these things because the only reality that matters is in the human mind, which the party does control. Ooh. So he's like, well, we can make people th- we can make people think we control it. So that's the same thing if everyone believes it. Kind of true. Yeah. No more moon. Reality is perception, man. Yeah, and if everyone if everyone's accepting that same thing, that becomes the truth. These guys should spark spark up a fat blunt and just (laughs) (laughs) just talk it out. Yeah, (laughs) sounds like they're on the same page. Yeah, they're getting there. They're getting on the same page. A broken man. Winston starts to love O'Brien as he's the one that stops the pain. He also it's that classic Stockholm syndrome type thing. Oh wow. Because he's the one in, in charge of uh, starting and stopping his suffering. O'Brien explains that the party have perfected, and this is in answer to your question at the start, mm-hmm. Pete. They've perfected the system of re-education, and this way they never kill any martyrs. So that's the reason why they don't just kill their enemies. What they do is they break people down, win them over to the party's ideology, only to put them back out in society for a little bit, and then later on execute them. Yes. As believers of, of, their, of their policy. Yeah. So there's never any martyr because no one ever goes to their grave being like, oh, I'm rebelling that sure. they're all going, yes, I love you, big brother, as they're being killed. They've yeah. got to break them first. Absolutely, break no, them down. Take away their, their freedoms, even in death. It's a happy happy book. It yeah. is. Yeah. And, uh, and this is, laugh a minute. Uh, this is a quote maybe you were alluding to earlier, Pete. Uh, O'Brien tells him, if you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Yeah. I don't want a picture of the future. Yeah. No, thank you. I'll have that, that one of the church if you're not using yeah. it anymore. <laughs> that sounds bad. That sounds yeah. nasty. I that hate was the that line idea. That stuck with with me the most. I think out of the book. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly, it's powerful. It's a powerful. More so than the next spooky bit that Andy's not going to like. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we are yeah. building to spook town Ooh. population, Andy. Yeah. Uh, Winston, we're Lewis- leaving. Dave and I are leaving. <laughs> you're going to be all alone in spook no, town. No, don't leave me in spook town. See you later. Winston learns that the party have been monitor- monitoring him for seven years. And he oh. begins to realise the futility of ever thinking he could bring them down. He, To be honest, he doesn't seem to have had a lot of concrete plans to bring them down. No. But I mean, that's, that's part of it, isn't it? That like even your most feeble attempts at rebellion, even the most impossible dreams will be crushed because well, that's you know and the fact that even seven years ago he didn't even really have that many yeah. rebellious thoughts they were onto it they realized before he realized mm. Ooh. and he didn't really i mean in the eyes of the party he's obviously done enough to warrant the treatment but he's sung a few songs yep um, bought a book um, gone for a walk when he shouldn't have gone for a walk yeah. and uh fallen in love mm. yeah and that's it You're but out. even one of those it's, oh. On its own is enough. Yeah, I mean, he was already ready to go after the book thing. So he's really a super revolutionary as far as yeah, this society sure. is concerned. Yeah. He's done well. Yeah. Uh, the torture and brainwashing sessions last for months and Winston tries to love the party but finds that he can't. He hopes to secretly hold on to his love for Julia, the one thing he feels that they cannot take away from him. And when he is killed, dying with love in his heart will be his small victory. That's what he tells himself. Mm. O'Brien orders that Winston be taken to room 101 Ooh. Ooh. a place that he'd heard about from other prisoners but he isn't sure what it is O'Brien straps Winston to a chair and tells him that room 101 contains the worst thing in the world it's basically whatever the person in the room fears most 
Sure. In Winston's case, that thing is rats. Oh. He hates them. Terrified. No of time them. for them whatsoever. He's yeah. deadly afraid of them. So if if Winston were Indiana Jones in this case, the room mm. would be full. Filled with what, Andy? The fourth ep- fourth movie, the Indiana f- Jones yep, and the Kingdom that. of the Crystal Skull. It's a real, real dip for the whole franchise. <laughs> yeah. Crystal Skulls. Why did it have to be Crystal Skulls? Yeah, exactly. that's, that's the famous line for the that movie. Quote. Crystal Skulls. I hate Crystal Skulls. <laughs> yeah, I hate these guys. Remember, his dad hated rats. Sean Connery's character in Number Three. Oh yeah, that's true. Deadly oh. He's like, I wish I could have been there. There were heaps of rats, Dad. You would have hated that. Anyway, he's afraid of rats. O'Brien yep. introduces a mask with a cage attached to it. Inside are hungry rats that are now centimetres away from Winston's face because mm. it's attached to him. O'Brien explains that he can click a door open and the rats will feast on his face. Gross. A horrible threat. Yeah. yeah. Winston finally... Face feast. He finally cracks and yells out the one thing that he thinks that can save him and he yells out... Do it to Julia, do it to Julia, not me. Aww. And with this final betrayal of his love for Julia, O'Brien remove the, removes the rats. Aww. Poor Winnie. So it was the, fi- the final bit they needed to break out of him. Yeah. And they've done it. How did they know about the rats? They've just been watching him for seven I wonder, years. Yes, there's one stage when they're in the bedroom, I must yeah. say, that I haven't mentioned, where there is a rat and he goes, oh, yuck, I hate rats. Ooh. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, be but careful about that. And he also has like sometimes he has dreams. Well, I don't know how Winston C. Uh, O'Brien knows about his dreams, but he he has a recurring dream where there's he's facing like a dark wall and there's something horrific on the other side. Ooh. And O'Brien explains to him, "You know, in your dream, on the other side, that's rats." Oh. But so I don't know if they can read See people's in your dream. Mind, your I dreams. do. I remember that being there's a spooky bit because there are a bunch of different dreams in it, and you're not yeah. sure. Maybe he's written about it in his diary. How the thought yeah. police know about your dreams. How do they know? And how do they know what you're most afraid of? And what if it's something yeah. super elaborate, like dying on a roller coaster or something? Do you go into room 101 <laughs> and they've built like the mousetrap from <laughs> Lunar Park? That would, that's, that's, how you, that's how you win in this situation. Yeah. Have like, a really elaborate, elaborate fear. It bankrupts okay. the party. So if you reunite the entire cast <laughs> of the TV show The Nanny, okay, and they're all on an airship. Yeah. And that airship is flying into the sun. <laughs> I hate that. I, was, I, I hate it more that. than anything. Oh my gosh. If that happened, I would crack. Yeah. <laughs> I would crack. I would give anyone up. And then, yeah, O'Brien's got to assemble everyone. He's up. like, thank God. All I had to get was two hungry rats for this guy. This <laughs> yeah. was so easy. This was really easy. Cheap one. I also think about like what if you are strong enough to not crack? I guess that's the thing because it's the thing you hate most in the world. Mm. If rats ate his face, surely he'd die from there and he mm. would die a martyr. Dies a martyr. Yeah. So you just if you if you hold on, would they have stopped stopped the rats or would they let it kill you? Would they let you crash off the mousetrap? I mean, I guess the thing is that the thing you hate the most, I mean, there's a reason. It's a reason you're super scared. I mean, everybody hates having their face eaten by rats. That's true. That's, that's kind of, it's a bit basic in a way. Like, oh, you it's it the thing you hate the most, having your face eaten by rats. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I don't think you need to know somebody like yeah. intimately have invaded yeah. their innermost thoughts to yeah. be like, actually, it's, I, I hate other, uh, you know, I really hate radishes. Yeah. I've already <laughs> well, said Well, we've only got rats. The last guy, <laughs> the last guy, he didn't mind it, actually. Yeah. It was embarrassing. 
the, guy, the last guy didn't have much face, and the, guy, the rats are still really hungry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've only eaten half a meal. Mm. Maybe in this society, everyone, you know, their thoughts are constrained. Um, what they what they know about the world is so constrained that everyone is afraid of rats. Like there's rats everywhere, mm. and you're programmed just for the ease of this 101 <laughs> yeah, that's room right. to work properly. <laughs> yes. um, and for budgetary constraints, mm. everyone hates rats. Or mm. something small, worms, you know, something that, sure. that, that we can get a hold of um, and fit into the, yeah, a, a right. mask to put <laughs> over your face. Your biggest fear is dodos, as we have yeah, thinking about before. There you go. So you've got to resurrect the animal oh. just so it can yes. eat your face. It's got to be a much larger cage. They're quite a large bird. <laughs> and they're mm. not a carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> we've, got to tra- we've got to cover your face in grass. Yeah, we've got to train a dodo up. <laughs> my uh, my biggest fear is the eye-eye net man. Mm. <laughs> terrifying. terrifying. His Who unblinking eyes. Oh. <laughs> but if he ate my face, I'd confess to anything. <laughs> His knowing smile. He knows your secrets. He's a member of the oh, Thought Police know. for He's sure. He's through your bloody download history. He'll That's meet right. you where, the, where there is no darkness. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. No VPN can stop that, yeah. man. Well, if you don't turn off your internet and just gaze into your laptop all the time, there's no darkness there. <laughs> Let me tell it's you. very true. What if you use night mode, though? On oh, actually, yeah, that's much better on your eye. <laughs> Maybe in the place that's much better on your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so sometime later, Winston is back out in the world, drinking at the Chestnut Tree Cafe. Oh, lovely. A place frequented by condemned people. Oh. He sits drinking gin and watching the telescreen, accepting what the party is saying and writing 2 plus 2 equals 5 in the dust on the table. So he's he's a broken man, but he's back out in society. Oh, that's good. He recalls that he had earlier run into Julia (laughs) on the street. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's 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 nice. It's good to be out and about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing stuff again. Yeah. He recalls that earlier on he'd run into Julia on the street and the thought of sex with her now repulsed him. Hmm. They admitted to each other that they'd betrayed the other one and that they'd meant it. And that that had changed everything in how they feel for each other. Remember that thing where they were like, they can't make us betray oh. each other, but they did. And they and they even he even says like, well, yeah, and you could say that I, you know, I didn't mean it, but he he knows deep down he did mean it. Mm. He did betray her. They sat in awkward silence before parting ways saying they must see each other again, but they didn't mean that either. Oh. Betray me, baby, I don't love you. <laughs> I did the thing I said I wouldn't do. I said that they should eat the face of you. <laughs> Betray me, baby, we are through. I, I that, mean, that's better than the that, Clint's and Clemens that's song. That's much better. Thanks. Honestly, that's rivaling the 1984 David Bowie song. <laughs> you're, in, you're, in, you're in Bowie territory yeah. with, that, with that ditty. So he now sits at the bar alone, playing chess with himself and drinking gin after gin. Sort of drinking his days away. A bulletin comes on, announcing another victory for the party over their enemies. Seeing Big Brother on the screen makes Winston feel safe now. Does it ever describe what... Does, is Big Brother doing things on the screen? Is he smiling? It's or just his picture, right? Just a picture? Uh, I think he's talking on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Announcing things, but the 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 famous thing is the picture everywhere. Yeah, yeah right. With the eyes and the mustache, and Big so, Brother is watching you. So eventually, you know, in this society, Big Brother, the 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 figment, you know, will need to be replaced with a a similar Big Brother. Yes. Yeah. Well, but they um, could do that. Winston actually asked Sir Brian when he's torturing him, saying like, "Well, won't Big Brother die?" And he says, "Of course not." But yeah. Sort of not explaining. Can't, can't die. Yeah. What. Well, 
What happens to that? Much like guy? The, the flight center guy. Oh, the <laughs> captain. They, they changed the him captain. And they we just accepted it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. A new there captain. Was already do you remember? This is probably going to be scrubbed out of the podcast. But do you remember there was another captain before the captain? Yeah, yeah. Of course, Are we on I to, remember. We're on to our third captain. Oh, we might be. Yeah. Oh my god. I think yeah. the first captain said wanted a pay rise mm. and said, "Well, I'm walking, and you, I'm taking it with me. I'm taking the whole thing. You can't replace me." I'm the captain. <laughs> I mean, what, is he going to work for McDonald's or something? Or what's oh, he? I don't know what he thought. I think it was a bargain. <laughs> He's the McDonald's captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the captain. The... <laughs> I think he was trying to call their bluff and, and they called his bluff. And, and wow. now we with two captains later. He did a great um, job. I think I even remember the number called 131-600. He had wow. a really right? wide face. Yeah. And then replaced it with another person with a similar looking face. Yeah, similarly wide face and a captain's hat on. And that's what tricked us all. We were like, (laughs) no, that's the flight centre captain. And and so was he an actual captain or was he an actor? I don't (laughs) think he was an actual captain. (laughs) He was just an actor? He didn't have a leg to stand on. I know. I'm taking this with me. What are you taking with you, man? (laughs) You're not even a captain. That's a hired costume. Exactly. We supplied you with that. (laughs) And we were expecting you to return it. They tried to leg it with the costume. <laughs> you can't have another one. I've tried got the to only costume. Run out and fly away in one of the planes. He didn't know how to take off. <laughs> yeah, he just crashed it into one <laughs> of the hangars. He went method but crashed the plane. <laughs> I mean, maybe Big Brother has already been changed once, and all the posters have been updated. Exactly. Yeah, that's well, honestly because they change who they're fighting with all the time, and people yeah. instantly go. Yep, that's our enemy now. No worries. Mm. That's always been our enemy, of course. I am so hanging out for the happy ending twist in this. I oh, mean, it's yeah. going to be go. so Get ready. exciting. Got the final two paragraphs for you, which I'm going to read. Okay. Usually I read the final line, but I'll read these in full because it's good writing. Yeah. So this is after looking up at Big Brother and feeling safe. It says, He was not running or cheering any longer. He was back in the ministry of love with everything forgiven, his soul white as snow. He was in the public dock, confessing everything, implicating everybody. He was walking down the white-tiled corridor with a feeling of walking in sunlight and an armed guard at his back. The long-hoped-for bullet was entering his brain. He gazed up at the enormous face. Forty years it had taken him to learn what kind of smile was hidden under the dark moustache. Oh, cruel, needless misunderstanding. Oh, stubborn, self-willed exile from the loving breast. Two gin-scented tears trickled down the sides of his nose. But it was all right. Everything was all right. The struggle was finished. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Big Brother. The end. Chilling. So it is a happy ending. Yeah. That's so nice, isn't it? That's right. He's feeling good. He's positive. He's very happy. That's great. Get a couple of gins in here. Yeah. A couple of gins under the... Into There's your no eyeballs? Just yeah. gin. I mean, just straight gin. Yeah, That's crying gin. Oh. And it's not even... I mean, we think that gin might be a bit strong. Who knows what this victory gin is? Yeah, apparently like. like you have to ready yourself to drink it. It's like drinking petrol. Mm. It's okay. horrific stuff. Yeah, in the future, not a lot of gin. Heaps of petrol. <laughs> so much petrol. Yeah. Everything's electric. We've got all this leftover petrol. Yep. Let's drink it. And there you all, go. the power keeps going out, so there's not using petrol on it. No. No Have petrol another. generators running. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really depressing story, David. Yeah, so I yeah. know Peter knew what was coming, but Andy, how do yeah. you feel? Did you have... An inkling that it was going to end that way? Uh, yeah, I, I knew it was a bad ending. Knew it because was Because when ending. I first read this as a, what, 17-year-old in year 12, I had no idea. And what oh, I think... No, you wouldn't. No, I had no idea. And I think that for the first half of the book, I'm thinking, great, 
well, every other story I've ever known, there's mm-hmm. the hero that he's over- planning a revolution. Exactly, he's meeting people, meeting people, and he's got a girlfriend. And I think that's kind of what the difference between, and maybe it was also because I was younger, but I've now done on this show the other two big dystopian ones: Brave New World and Fahrenheit Four Five One, all written over a couple of decades. And the other ones, I never had a sense of hope. Yeah, I think I was a bit like, mm. oh, this is just grim, grim, yeah. grim, grim. Um, but this one, for the first half, even the s- I was reading it the second time, and it's brilliantly written. The second half is like very grim, and yeah, and, and again, so well done that you feel awful. But the first half, I'm like, yes, it's pretty positive. <laughs> he's good. got ideas. We're on the upswing. Could, maybe this time he's going to do it, but then. At the end, <laughs> maybe this <No>. time. <laughs> maybe you better read time. it again, David. Come on, you keep reading it. I <laughs> know. Oh, but then it turns out for seven years he was being watched. Of course, there was no hope for him. Yeah. Of course. That's incredible. That I mean, we've had. I've, I've been on this show two, three hundred times. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. And I, I think that's the best book. That's the one. I think this might be the best book of all time. I will never read it. Why not? Because it's so. I will grim. never read it. It's just too upsetting. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. What's found it very hard to sit through this, this retelling. Yeah, you've been you've been moving around the room. That's right, and you've been <laughs> and you were on the Lolita episode. Let's not forget yeah, that. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> but at least, at least in Lolita, you know there are some people who aren't in the book. <laughs> you know, there's a, still a world outside. Oh, right, so some people are happy around yeah, them. Yeah, you can be yeah. like, oh well. But what about all the people who weren't in the story? They were having an okay time. Some of them. <laughs> yeah. But with this one, you're like, geez, if it's this bad for him, and he got to have sex, yeah. there'd be other people having a considerably worse time, doing even smaller things and being punished for them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, I, th- ah. I think it was originally. I read that one of the titles he was toying with was The Last Man in Europe. I, I've heard that as well. Yeah, mm. which makes sense. But like, if he is the last, like the rest of society, it's gone. It's it's over. Yeah. Yeah. But also, then what happens to the Ministry of uh, Truth and all that stuff? they got no one to persecute. What about their jobs? Yeah, perfect society. Oh, they've, they've, they've been so well, they've, put, they've made themselves Victims obsolete. Of their own success. Yeah, you're right. Out on the streets... They're going to start to ferment trouble, I reckon. Are you concerned about the Ministry of Truth and <laughs> whether or not they're going to find an? They'll run out of human spirit to destroy. To crush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a finite resource. Yeah. That's what we're discovering. Um, at what is the? They've overfished the ocean. What is the the saddest book? If you you don't want to read 1984, have you ever come any close to reading something that's you know <laughs> have disturbed I come close you? To reading yeah. something sad. I'm sure I have. Yeah. I read Fahrenheit 451. Yep. Uh, I've read other things. I've read some things. Some of them have been sad. Yeah. I don't remember them right now off the top of my head. Okay. But I'll tell you what's not sad. Gustav and Henry, Volume 1 and <laughs> yes, 2. Yes, that's right. So there's no, I must say, is there any totalitarianism or themes in your book? There are. There's almost <laughs> no themes of totalitarianism. No. As far as I recall. No. But there is there was references to There are some torture scenes. <laughs> some. <laughs> and they are quite graphic. But uh yeah, we make sure that there's always a little bit of, you know, light and shade and, uh, and some happy things in the background. Not only are Gustav and Henry having fun adventures, you can also imagine that there are other characters <laughs> in the world that are also having Perfect. fun Fantastic. happy times. Possibly even more fun. Yeah, being um you know, being friends. Mm. And there yeah. and there's of course now references to Hedda Gabler or a doll's house rather. A doll's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming up in <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. But what if I was to say 
some people have a theory. So that's the end of the book, but mm-hmm. there's there is an appendix at the end that is given as the the history of Newspeak. Right. Right. And pe- some people argue, well, who's written that? And it's not written in Newspeak. It's written in Old English, as if like not in Old English, but modern Normal English. English. <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, and some people say, does that possibly indicate that Newspeak is a thing of the past? It's a happy ending. And it's that there is there's that a happy ending. Big Brother was eventually overthrown. I'm, I'm going to tell you the answer to that. No. <laughs> no. If George Orwell had wanted this book to have a happy ending, he would have given it one. Yeah. He did not want it to have a happy ending. It does not have a happy ending. But, it, uh, but I, noticed, um, I noticed that the publishing information um, uh, on, the, on the closing page, the address uh, was listed as London, England, therefore implying that Airstrip 1 was a no longer a thing. And, um, and in fact, uh, I, think, I think that the picture of the penguin on the spine of the book uh, is cocking his leg in a quite a jaunty fashion that one would not expect from a, t- a penguin living under a totalitarian dictatorship. And I think that George Orwell um, wanted us to... Um, this is a hopeful book. It's an optimistic book. It says, look at the penguin. Look at the penguin and, um, and, think, and be more like him. Uh, <laughs> that is a that possible be, reading. Yeah. That's, a, that's uh, all very valid readings mm, of the, the, I agree the with whole. That. Of I have the a book. Very, very valid not reading of the book, <laughs> having not read it. Well, in um, another book about a totalitarian totalitarian society, The Handmaid's Tale, that is told from excerpts that an um, uh, anthropologist finds in the ruins of America, like saying that you know this soci- broken oh. society actually is in the past. Yeah right. Yeah. Oh, or something like that. There's some sort of device about a. Um, and an- those excerpts were discovered by Indiana Jones. Yes. Ah. Indiana Jones Five. <laughs> mm-hmm. <A> Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the proles still have a freedom of a sort, don't they? Yes, because but it's a very limited one. It's limited, live at, but like they're at the pub, they're drinking beers. Yeah. And they're not that worried about it either. Yeah. They're living a more like a, a pr- would you call it like a more like a primitive, if you can say that? Yeah, sort of kind like of just the life of like a peasant. Yeah, but Which, um, but they they are not able to step outside of that in any way, so they d- they still have their freedoms constrained. Mm. I'm sure that if there was any sign of revolution or. You know, and there are still members of the party within the the, the society, the proles, because we know that Doctor you know, Mister Cavendish or whatever mm. his name was, <laughs> <Yeah>. Charrington, yes, <laughs> Charrington, Mister Charrington, whose real name was Mister Carrington, yes, um, was <laughs> yeah, was so was foolish. hiding out in this clandestine um, uh, antique shop, mm. like as a spider trying to catch little revolutionary flies that wandered past and mm. wanted to grab little trinkets and were interested in. Life before, so they're flies that are interested in trinkets. <laughs> That's right. In this metaphor, uh, the the spider is yep. luring flies to the web with little uh, uh, corals embedded yeah. in glass. Yeah, right. So spiders lure the flies. That's as well right. In that Indeed. scenario, do they? <laughs> they do. Okay, like an anglerfish. Uh, uh, yes, an anglerfish luring flies into its <laughs> web. <laughs> Trinket hungry flies into its antique shop. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. right. Um, but yeah. it's not. It's its actual name isn't um, anglerfish. It's anglerflush. <laughs> <laughs> anglerflush. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. 
Well, I guess the only thing left to do is um, we usually score the book out of five. Oh, mate, I am giving that um, five, 1985. <laughs> out of five? 1985 out of, five. out of five, yeah. yeah. There's not a lot that's wasted in this book, as far as I can remember. Mate. It's, got, it's very the singular purpose yeah. in, in the whole of the of the writing. But so you're going with a... Uh, I agree with Andy. I think it's a 1985. 1985 out of five. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to tell you that this, is, this book is getting perfect marks. Five out of five for me as well. It's make- incredible. Beautifully written, I imagine, but certainly beautifully <laughs> told by David. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Even more so, yeah. It is yeah. beautifully written. I must say, it's, it's very well written. Um, I love the way he sort of builds the world. As you read it, it's not mm. all... You don't learn everything at once. You just get a bit of this and you go, oh, geez, that's a bit grim. Oh, oh a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. But um, but then also builds the hope, especially with with a young 17-year-old yeah. David Warner. But Warnicky. then to build that hope and then crush it. Yeah, then like, crush that it. That is such... Yeah. It nobody, was, it, nobody has the courage to do that in any any books. Yeah, you know? and, and, and if you tried to make that as a movie in Hollywood, they'd be like... Can't you just give it a happy ending? Yeah, can't Tom someone, Cruise can save he, the can day? Can he just be happy, at least free in his mind in some way? You know, yeah. give a little flicker of hope. But nah, not not for Georgie Boy. No, that's I've right. read his Down and Out in Paris and London. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a real good read. Like, yeah, it's quite fun in a horrible way. But it's, it's not as grim as this. And I think, um, is it Burmese Days? Is that also by him? That is might that, be his is first that the one book. about... Um, all the animals on the farm. Yeah, that one. That one's it. <laughs> yeah, Burby's days. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I didn't Down know that. Down and out on Animal Farm. If that is his first novel. Yeah, Burby's days. Uh, that one I couldn't get through. It was oh, a bit. Okay. Yeah, a bit much. It was a bit. Yeah, a bit weird. But yeah, Down and Out in Paris and London is a good read. Fantastic. I'll put it on the list. Also, Animal Farm is is highly requested as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people people who want me to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's something. So I'll get to that someday. But 1984, I think over 60 people suggested it. We can see why. It's an absolute classic. classic. And the fact that... As I say, we don't need any other books. And all the other... And all the... Like, you, it's hard to think anyone, any other author who's... Apart from Shakespeare, I suppose. Who's uh, from the last century, whose words... Apart from Shakespeare from the last century. <laughs> well, that's why I'm trying to update it. Okay. What I was saying to try and make myself sound uh, a bit more Oh, you, uh, you're accurate. talking about... Um, is it Nicholas Shakespeare? The <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Love that. No, um, yeah, someone else who's from one book. So we've got many, about yeah. 10 references instantly. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that, heard of that. Mm. So many. like Game that, changer. That, uh, that music show on Channel V that used to be called Room 101. There you go. Just one of the many wow. things that he's influenced. That show on Channel V. <laughs> <laughs> if only he could. I mean, he probably would have predicted, predicted that because he was so prescient. Mm. Yeah, that that famous television show that was influenced by uh, George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> Apart from that, I can't think of any others. No, there weren't, but, weren't uh, any others. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a guy! What a guy! What a book! Uh, highly recommend uh, 1984. But yes, wrap your eyes around it. But it's grim. Mm-hmm. Go out and get yourself a copy. Yep, absolutely. And I also highly recommend Gustav and Henry, Volume One. And two. Mm. Yes. Two coming soon. For the soon. young reader in your life. One available well, now. Like we've packed it. There's good. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Stories, jokes. The, the In between the stories, extra pages with extra jokes. Mm-hmm. Before the Love stories, it. more pages with jokes. After the last story, page and a half of jokes. There are jokes on the front cover. There are jokes, jokes on, on the, the front cover. There's jokes on the title page. There are 
uh, and there are drawings on every page as well. Yes, there are also drawings. Yeah, absolutely love it. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention at the start is, so I'll put the link in the description for Gustav and Henry. Also, I am coming to London for a one-off show next month. Ah, Airstrip One itself. Yeah, wow. Right, I'll be Touchdown. there. Uh, live from Victory Mansion. <laughs> uh, the smell of cabbage, uh, mm-hmm. free with the ticket price of admission. Uh, no, I'm coming to London on Wednesday, August the 10th. Uh, you want to come along? It's a one-off book cheat. I'll be there with two guests. We'll be doing a, a bit of fun at... Uh, a brand new book or play or poetry. Who knows what I'm going to talk about uh, at London 229 near Regent's Park right in the middle of the city. Wow. That's exciting. Are you going over for some do-go-on touring as well? No, or? I'm just going over for a bit of a bit of a European jaunt. And whilst I was there, I was like, I'm going to do a one-off Shoot show. A book. So I'm really hoping that people will come. Yeah. Because London venues are very expensive. Mm. So please come. Uh, there is, a again, a in the description of this episode, a link to tickets. Love to see you there. Bring a friend. Now I hear though that if you're um, if you are in a different country, it actually doesn't count as cheating. Is that right? So it won't really be book cheat. No, it'll just be book. It'll just be book. Book live. <laughs> <laughs> Come along to book live, Wednesday, August ten. But gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on the first book cheat back. Thank you. The David. first it's one a of pleasure. the first one Being of a new financial year. Big fan of the show. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you a lot. And as I always say, and I'm going to say, you can join in if you like. I'm yes. going to yell your All books right. forever, right. but you don't have to. All right. All right. Thank you so much. And until next time, I'll say, books Big brother forever. forever. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Infiltrated. Oh. <laughs>